Hello, everyone. Welcome to the third episode of the Take a Minute podcast. It's been a fun ride so far creating these episodes, and I hope you've enjoyed listening to them. Before jumping into the episode today, I want to talk about two things I've been thinking about recently. And so the first one is this. In the past four or five months, people have been presented with the same problem, what to do with all the extra time that we have. And if you're anything like me, you've wanted to make use of this time. You've wanted to be productive, progress towards your goal, and learn new skills. And one of the things I was spending a lot of my time doing was reading books and listening to podcasts. But I had the realization that after a few months of doing that, I hadn't really accomplished anything. All the knowledge and information I've gained from books and podcasts is kind of just sitting there now. And it's probably going to end up being lost in six to eight months and might not ever go into use. And it was fascinating to me that, you know, that whole time I thought I was being productive, it was under the guise of, wow, I'm making the best use of my time, when in reality, I wasn't. And I'm not making an argument against reading books. Reading books is, is a valuable way to spend your time and it can be helpful, but I think that there is something to be said for the acknowledgement of the distinction between a passive and active hobby, right? Like reading a book is passive and you're not you're not doing anything. You're not putting that knowledge into practical use. And I think there's ways to do that while reading a book, right? Like I think there's ways to take that info and actually implement it into your life. But I think that you need to be intentional about doing that and it doesn't automatically happen. So that's that's one thing I've been thinking about lately. I, I thought other people might be interested in hearing as well. Uh, the next thing is I've been watching this TV show called Money Heist on Netflix. You might be familiar with it. And there's this one scene where they're sitting around a, a dinner table and they're discussing what they're going to do with all the money they get from robbing the bank. And a common theme among their ideas and plans was that they're going to ditch Western society and live out the rest of their life on a beach somewhere, drinking margaritas and getting massages all day. And it kind of blew me away that people have the perception, or at least the media and Hollywood has the perception that you need copious amounts of money to accomplish that type of lifestyle. I think it's fundamentally untrue. And I think there's many ways to accomplish that lifestyle or the or the lifestyle that you want without the astronomical amounts of money that is commonly portrayed or talked about in social media. I think that these things are way more attainable than it seems at first. And I can give you just a few examples. One, uh, Tim Ferriss is an author that you might be familiar with. He talks about a few ways to kind of get more value out of the money that you do have. And one way he talks about is freeing up your time. And so what he means by that is, let's say you're going to Rome, Italy in the middle of the summer, and you're going on a two-week vacation on a cruise around the Mediterranean. It's going to be expensive. It's going to be really expensive. But if you can free up your time and go in the middle of winter when nobody else is going and there's hardly any cruises, 
it's going to be a fraction of the price and you can you can save yourself the um, the the price and the crowds by freeing up your time and when you're going and so that's that's one example that you can get more value out of your money and another is just that if i use myself for example i'm living in vietnam and i spend the majority of my days on the beach drinking beers and and getting massages and i'll just be completely transparent my budget is about 700 to 800 us dollars and that takes me as far as i need to go i don't really want for anything i if there's something that i want or need in the moment like a massage or a beer i don't really hesitate in getting it and there's people that do it for a lot less than i do it here and there's also people that do it for a lot more but let's take for example if you double my expenditure you're still at 1400 us dollars and that's essentially living like a king where i'm where i'm living and you know i think that that reality of retiring on the beach with a margarita is just a lot closer than the media portrays it to be so two topics two ideas that people might be interested in might not be i'm not sure but i hope you are um, so to get into today's episode, I'll be talking with a good friend of mine from college, Eddie, who is currently living in Mammoth, California. And we talk about a bunch of different topics, the first of which being Eddie's interest in environmentalism and economics. And then we get into talking about diets a little bit. And then we talk about all the stories and experiences that we've had together through road trips and being in the outdoors and different concerts that we've attended over the, the past few years. So hope you enjoy. And any man who knows a thing knows he knows not a damn, damn thing at all. And every time I felt the hurt and I felt the giving, getting me up off the wall. I'm just gonna take a minute and let it ride. I'm just gonna take a minute and let it breeze. I'm just gonna take a minute and let it ride. I'm just gonna take a minute and let it breathe. I love talking to people that have a specific interest and that like know what path they're going down. And I think yeah. that's definitely part of the reason for this podcast. And I, I you definitely have that, right? Um, yeah. You, you know that you're environmentalism and your job and also just your interests in that area and where like how did that passion originate like when did you first realize like damn i really want to make this my mission yeah man that's a good question um and i actually i have like a a turning point too which is pretty Mm. funny you know i grew up in in maine and um definitely you know didn't didn't really love it didn't really appreciate you know what maine had to offer i was really like a beach kid um so you know once i finally graduated high school i was like i just want to go somewhere warm so i can like go to the beach all the time and uh <laughs> didn't really have any interest in sustainability at that point um but you know i had been around maine and maine's beautiful like heavily forested area some mountains beach it's a sweet area um but yeah, I was like just trying to go somewhere warm to the like they had a beach and uh LA was kind of where I'd focused on. So um 
went out for a college visit. I remember, I think like my senior year, or maybe it was even going to orientation. I can't remember exactly, but it was super hot. It was in the summertime in LA, you know, coming from Maine, not used to that heat. And my mom and I were walking on Santa Monica Beach to the water and Santa Monica Beach, just if anyone hasn't been there, is huge. And like both like up and down the beach, but like from the start of the beach to the water, it takes like five minutes to walk. Yeah. And I'm like dying of heat, you know, <laughs> like just ready to jump in. So I like start running and um, I'm approaching the water. There's not really anyone in the water, but I'm, it doesn't really, you know, I don't really notice that. I'm just like set on it and I jump in, cool off, you know, for like maybe 10 seconds and I'm coming out and um, there's this sign on the beach that's like pretty big that I I'm, take a look at. And um, there's also these like three, just like, at least in my mind, like super Southern California dudes just sitting down. And I probably just got back from like surfing or something. And I'm starting to read the sign. And the sign says, warning, like pollutant levels in water too high, like strong advisory against swimming. Mm. And I'm just like, what? And then, then these like three Southern California guys, like as I'm reading that, are like, dude, do you feel any different, man? <laughs> <laughs> After coming from the water. And I'm just like, what is this place? You know, you hear so much about LA and Hollywood and it's like the golden land. And that's kind of, you know, the picture you definitely get growing up in at least where I'm from. And that moment, man, where like I just go into the beach, something I could do, you know, all the time in the summer in Maine. And just having that, like, just that experience of like, oh, this place is like yeah. my favorite, you know, the reason I came out here to go and enjoy the beach mm. isn't really as good as it seems. There's literally, like, I did not think there was pollution to that extent in the United States. You know, I thought we were way past that type of, you know, uh, issue. So right. I, I was just like so caught off guard. And I think that was like the turning point for when I'm like, oh, this place isn't that good at all. And then, you know, you start to look at the other things that, that are messed up in LA and you got the smog and Water. everyone drives. There's no public transportation. You're in a drought. Yeah, it's, dude, it, my eyes just started slowly opening and I'm like, just felt very drawn to the cause um, from that point. And then UCLA, I think, did a really good job looking back at it, you know, with some like at least one of the general education classes that was like in the category that you had to take i took on just on geography and i mean you can't really talk about geography and you know environmental like ecosystems nowadays without really talking about how they're changing so fast and whether or not you believe in climate change yeah you know it's 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 hard to to debate that these aren't changing and that we have some effect um so i think that's really like the turning point and then i started getting into hiking and whatnot and you know mm -hmm. kind of really seeing the areas and really falling in love with you know the the beauty of uh planet earth we have planet earth that we have here and and just wanting even more to to protect it and do anything i can to do that. And, and, and then at that point, it's kind of uh, my next step was like, well, how can I best do this? You know, what are my skills that I can combine or, and, you know, put to use? And at the point at, at that time I was studying econ, I'm like, I don't really know if econ has much 
you know, inter interplay with environmentalism, you know, I'm thinking like, oh, maybe I should shift to environmental science, but I'm like, ah, that's not me at all. And I was totally wrong. I mean, I think every single kind of skill set, any major, I think can really play into the in my environmental sector now that I've worked in it. Yeah. Well, especially economics, man. I think yeah. Yeah. I was, I was, I, yeah, I was naive. Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> but, think um, it's a huge part of it. Yeah. And then, yeah, I just got super interested in, um, I, I guess the next step was trying to, to, to locate like the biggest sector or like, you know, how do I, how do I make the most change and focused mm -hmm. on like, well, what's the biggest, you know, sector in terms of emissions and then it's it's kind of like transportation um, and like electricity and power and energy. Um, and then I, I just got really interested in like the power, energy, electricity uh, sort of channel. And then uh, found that, yeah, econ is super intertwined with that. Yeah. Um, and I could talk about that for hours, but I mean, I don't think everyone needs to hear about it. But um, yeah, that, that that's kind of like the high level um how i've really got involved and then yeah i got some experience in my internship i worked in in alaska randomly um for a electric utility company so that would be you know essentially like a i mean ladw ladwp socal edison pg e essentially one of those but in alaska looking into solar programs for for the utility and you know i mean I didn't know what I was getting myself into, but I was in like the Bible belt of Alaska. So I don't know if you can go anywhere that has like more climate change deniers in it. And I'm oh, coming wow. in there just an intern, dude. Wow. Yeah. In Alaska too. Yeah, man. Yeah. Wow, that's a, it's, it's that's interesting. Surprising. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, I mean that definitely that specific area, you get people sure. really on, on both, like far on both sides of the spectrum up there. Like some people are super, you know, like the tree hugger type environmentalist. Uh -huh. And then there's other people that are just like, you know, very rural hick, very red. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I've got, it, it was a good, a good, a uh, good experience though to hear, you know, both, both sides of the story. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'll just, yeah. Always I'll, important. I'll, yeah. I'll stop there. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I've been working in it, I guess year and a half now. Love it. Definitely. Awesome uh, dude. Yeah. Definitely not not changing anytime soon. Great to hear that. That that was kind of my next question. If yeah, if, if this really is kind of what you're going to be doing, uh, so that's that's cool to hear that you're loving it. Um, yeah. And so you, you ended up studying economics. Did you minor in environmental science? I yeah, I minored in environmental studies, and then also okay. had a, a Scandinavian minor. Low key. Right, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> that was uh, that took some finessing with the department, but. Um, yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, another thing too is just I studied abroad in Sweden and right. uh, like Northern Europe, Scandinavia is, at least from my perspective, pretty ahead of the curve or ahead of, ahead of the United States in terms of environmental management. So I think getting, uh, you know, some exposure over there definitely yeah. kept me going. One of the many ways they seem to be ahead of the curb in terms of uh, in, in comparison to America. I, your interest in Scandinavia has really sparked an interest in myself as well in that general area because yeah. it's such a unique kind of place, and it does seem like they're kind of ahead of the curb in, in a lot of different ways. Um, it's super, yeah, super unique. From I mean, I haven't traveled as much as you have, but in terms of any other place that I've been, it definitely does seem. Sure. Like a, I mean, my. My, my scope is is limited, you know. I mean, I've been in 
Eastern Asia, but other than that, I'm... Yeah, but I mean, like, you you went through Europe as well and kind of, like, some parts of Eastern Europe, you know? Gotcha. I've really only been to Scandinavia. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, Canada. Yeah, I, so I, I wanted to ask, so r- right now you're, bas- you're involved with renewable energy, right? Um, yeah, yeah. And so, so, like, what are the biggest... I don't know, kind of uh, maybe obstacles in your industry. Like what is, what's going on right now in that general industry? Just for like somebody that has no kind of concept. Yeah, man, that's a good question. There's so many obstacles. Hmm. Um, I'd say the biggest is politics though. Uh, and I'm, I really, I mean, my knowledge really in like, in terms of my work, it all revol- like revolves in the U S. Um, so I'm not as familiar with like policies in other countries, hmm. like, as nearly as granular as it is here. So I can like speak on the U S so the biggest obstacle right now is policy. And essentially what the issue is, is that there's really no coordination. Like there's, there's been a huge push for like a governmental, like, you know, federal level renewable energy policy and target and incentives. Um, but it's really spotted. Um, there is some incentives at the federal level for solar um, but there's no target, there's no penalty, there's no, mm. you know, yeah, I guess I think that's one of the biggest things that there's no penalty for like oil and gas companies and factories that are just polluting our skies and, you know, water systems, which is a huge cost in terms of like the healthcare and whatnot that people are really starting to look at and quantify. So what's been happening is the states themselves have been setting these targets um, and, you know, different states are doing it at different paces. Um, you know, kind of like I said before, the leading states in solar is, and renewables is kind of like, you know, obviously where we would work. So that's kind of like California, Massachusetts, New Jersey, New York. Mm-hmm. And they're setting um, goals to be, I think, essentially like 100% carbon free by 2050. And I'll explain, like, carbon-free is a little different than 100% renewable um, because renewables, when people use the term renewables, they're usually just talking about solar, wind, um, geothermal, biomass, which is, like, burning, you know, like, tree waste. Um, And then if you say carbon-free, it's all of those. And then that also embodies, like, hydropower and nuclear, which are two, you know, really important technologies which don't emit carbon dioxide which is like the mm-hmm. key pollutant that we're trying to to stop you know as a as, as a world sure. um but there's some additional like environmental considerations with nuclear and hydropower um but um so the policy is the big issue and the next big thing is the intermittency of renewable resources so you know like solar and wind um, you know, it's not sunny and windy Constant. all the time. Yeah. So it's that, that's super, where batteries yeah. come into play, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Batteries. Exactly. But then it's like the cost of batteries is still really expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the supply chain, a lot of batteries come from like conflict areas uh, in Africa and whatnot. And I think China as well. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Um, but yeah, trying to match. So it's, it's actually, it's super surprising. Like electricity needs to be met instantaneously in terms of supply and demand. So like, you know, if you have solar on your roof, 
you get like monthly credits for the energy you generate. And most people think that like the solar they generate is like always, you know, offsetting their usage and it's, you know, stored if not. But if, if, if it doesn't instantaneously, like in that moment, meet the exact level that is of energy that's being used by your home, it's exported to the grid, you know? So we can do this at a small, small scale and then have like big natural gas and, you know, like hydro plants that are just constantly scaling up and down to, you know, accommodate for that. But like, if we want to get like real scale of solar and wind, we really need either flexible demand, which would be like people being able to shift all their energy usage so that it coincides with, you know, when it's sunny and windy out or like mm. massive storage. Um, so that's the, the engineering, you know, and, and that's not my expertise, my background, but that's another huge hurdle. And then just trying to keep the costs down of electricity since that's, you know, super important, which I had never really realized, but, you know, electric bills and whatnot are essentials, you know, electricity, but like for lower income people, um, it can be a hurdle, you know, it's like if we transition to solar, if we were to try and do everything right now, like the price of electricity would skyrocket and that would really yeah. impact low income people. Um, so there's, there's so many considerations. Um, and I don't know if you actually follow or not, but the situation in California recently has been nuts in terms of it, it's like a triple or quadruple threat with COVID wildfires. Fires. And it's yeah. also like a record heat wave. So, yeah. you know, it's been hitting like above 100, I think, in a lot of areas. And AC is the biggest like impact mm. to electricity usage. Yeah, AC so, uses so yeah. much. For like one of the first times ever, the grid demand was higher than the grid supply, than like everything we had in California that could generate energy at that moment. So... Like the utilities had to shut off power for like an hour or two because the demand was just unprecedented and they didn't plan enough for it. So like you'll get like blackouts from like storms and whatnot that, you know, mess up the power lines. But this is something that's like rarely ever occurred before. Hmm. Um, and it's like a huge talking point. People are criticizing California for planning, you know, and having too much solar and wind which are you know intermittent again and pointing at that but i mean i don't know it's, it's a complicated issue but it's it's been a really a crazy month and so California. that's i mean that's a massive issue right if if the if the grid shuts down for even an hour or two like you have to think about like hospitals and banks exactly and stuff like that yeah and so man. is there a lot of damage done because of that yeah like, definitely i mean most places have backup like most critical loads is what they're referred to, like a hospital, a police station. They have like backup uh, power. Sure. So they'd have like a diesel generator. So that's another big trend is trying to study sh shifting those to batteries, like the most important critical loads. Mm, so yeah. that's kind of like one thing I would work on. We call them like a microgrid. So being able just to take them entirely off the grid if need be. So like in that kind of situation or a hurricane, you know, you need those – facilities powered and diesels high highly polluting source so yeah. trying to that over is well dude i think it's i think it's interesting um 
your expertise does lie in economics. And I think a right. lot of what you said has so much to do with economics in terms of the supply and demand on the power grid. And then also right. the politics influencing whether there's a penalty for gas and oil companies. I mean, all of that is, mm-hmm. is, is, is economics, right? Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> I imagine you feel like you made a good choice at this point with the economy. Oh. really good choice man and it's actually like i feel like there's not enough economists involved Involved. most Hmm. people coming in are environmental science or environmental policy right right i don't know i don't know if that's like the draw of like the the result of like people study econ and then you know how do i make the most money from your given job it's obviously not going to be environmental related but um I, i don't know but um yeah if anyone's listening and wants to get involved in sustainability, plenty of channels, and I recommend econ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean you. Yeah, I mean, and you studied econ too, and I think we had you know similar starts in terms of we really didn't know what we wanted to do. But I feel like it's such a a general but like diverse. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. It's 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 exactly. a general lens. It's a mindset that you can apply to many different areas, which is yeah a good uh, the, the best way to look at it i think and and obviously environmentalism in particular and something that i find in- interesting about environmentalism and then also i would say the healthcare system um, that mm-hmm. i realized a few years ago and like traditionally growing up um you're kind of ingrained even when you're studying economics that free markets is kind of a solution to everything because uh, right. it it's what's gotten us to this point today and it's it's treated us so well in the past. And mm-hmm. I think that growing up, that was kind of my understanding that like free markets over everything. But right. now that I'm older and think about it more, I, I really think that environmentalism and healthcare or just environment, I don't, is environmentalism, is that the right word to be using? Environment? Yeah, environmentalism, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, those, those two areas should not be left up to the free market because right. They, they need to be guided in specific directions that are going to create like optimal benefits for the people involved and the people that aren't involved, right. With environment, right. Uh, external externalities, right. That affect everybody else. And yep. when those, when those externalities exist, which basically means um, something that somebody is doing, right. Like an oil and gas company is affecting other people that aren't necessarily right. the, the trade of like the oil and gas company and this, um, car making company, right? It affects everybody yeah. else. And when that happens, you need government intervention uh, to 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 guide those industries in yeah. a way that is is going to be helpful. And I think, like, I hope that the U.S. can kind of come to terms with that. But I think mm-hmm. like it's a long and hard battle. And I think Scandinavia does it well. And yeah. Interestingly yep. enough. I think one of the benefits of China's system, right? They're mm-hmm. not, they, they are a free market in the sense of like purely finance and consumerism. They, they do allow companies to operate in a way that is, is free enough to where they can kind of explode the way that they do, but yep. they have enough power and restriction to where if they want to make a change, they can implement it within seconds and they're not afraid to do that. And I think that's mm. a really powerful thing for a country to be able to do. And America doesn't have that, right? And yeah, for example, exactly. mm-hmm. one of the things I was I was looking up the other day is, and you probably might be familiar with this, but in 2018, 
um, basically all the countries from around the world would ship China their plastics and recyclables for China oh, to yeah. kind of get rid of. And then in 2018, China basically said, no more, stop sending us your garbage. You have to deal with it on your own. And yeah. within like a year, if you look at the chart, the amount of plastics were like billions of like whatever going into China. And then within a year, it literally dropped to zero. And yeah. they're, they're able to do things like that, right? And kind of just shove it onto other countries and say, you deal with it now. And I just thought mm -hmm. it was fascinating because it's such a massive shift in terms of like hurting their own kind of industries that are dealing with the garbage and then throwing all this other stuff onto other countries. And they did it so quickly. And it makes me think that, you know, the, the massive repercussions of making quick changes are, are massive, but they are more you can handle them better than people think it's right. almost like you have to jump into it first and deal with the consequences rather than just like kind of trepidly walk up to the edge, you know, and let it take like 50 years. And obviously that may not apply to every situation. Like mm -hmm. there are some things that you have to kind of lever on slowly, like, um, um, like solar power. And then how you mentioned it would affect, um, a lot of yeah. poor communities. Great pairs. Yeah. Right. Um, but, but there are ways to circumvent that, right? Um, oh, for sure. For whether sure. it be subsidies and, and other things. So there are ways around it. Um, yeah, yeah I, I don't know that that's just yeah. something I've been thinking about a lot recently with yeah. economics and environmentalism. A, no, I, I definitely agree with you. And I think that was really well said. I, I think your example though is a little funny with China. I thought it was <laughs> a completely different way. <laughs> Um, cause that's kind of like a negative thing that they did, which, yeah, which is big news and hasn't been talked about enough. And I think, uh, I, I think from my understanding for why they kind of cut it off is that it was getting a little expensive and people are terrible at recycling, um, especially Americans. And, you yeah. know, they'd be, if the percentage, I want to say it's like if 10% of like a recycled, you know, if you get like this batch of recyclables and if 10% are actually trash, they would just throw everything away. So there's some threshold and for them, it was just getting too expensive to like sort through everything. Mm. So then they just like, yeah, shut down. But I think a good example of like essentially planned economy and environmentalism is like the planned bullet economy. trains. Yeah. 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 So like California has been trying to build a bullet train for at least four years now and it is incredibly over budget and super <laughs> delayed and it's i mean there's so many approvals and like permits that are needed and you know towns need to sign off and funding needs to be established and i don't i don't i can't say i know the history of china's bullet trains but i bet they didn't ask anybody i bet they just went oh, out and built no. them, you know yeah, yeah they just they just do what they want which is you know good for efficiency and sort of upgrading those things. But yeah, I mean, like, you know, there's some environmental considerations that are lost in that sense. Like, oh, like maybe you don't cut down those trees. Uh, you know, so, so like there's that trade-off. But yeah. I think in terms of infrastructure, I think China's and like, you know, Scandinavia is kind of towards that way as well, where like they just go, you know, right, and right. it's it because it, it, there's so much stalling in the U.S. Mm. And the, the U.S. is like grid infrastructure, like the the power system is super outdated and that's been another cause of the wildfires in California. Mm. You know, these giant transmission lines haven't been, you know, attended to in, in way too long. And, you know, you're getting a little bit of wind and falling down and then boom, you're losing entire towns. So, I mean, definitely, definitely a cost benefit analysis that need to be run. 
out here. Um, but, but yeah, man, it's, uh, it's not a complex, uh, it's a super complex program or problem. So I welcome anyone. <laughs> we need anyone and everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's, it's fascinating. Uh, I, another, another thing they do in China is the, the, um, oh, so, yeah. Like the energy market. Um, what's the? Do you, do you know what I'm referring to? Uh, like the, the almost like tickets where you're, you're you're allowed to produce a certain amount of uh, oh, CO2. Like, yeah, um, like tradable permits. Like yeah, the permits. Yeah, like permits. a right to right to pollute. Right. Yeah. Cal- right. Yeah. So again, in the U.S., like California has a carbon trading market, and they're paired with Quebec. But I, that's pretty much it, you know. Like, there's nothing on the nationwide level, so I didn't know that China's doing that. But is that like a pretty, uh, pretty big? Like, they, they're, they you, are, yeah, they're getting into it. I don't know too much about it, but I've, I've heard, I've heard like whispers of it. Um, yeah. So yeah, man, China's a super interesting sort of case study for like renewables and that whole shebang because i mean and you've seen it firsthand i bet or definitely you know like in beijing how bad the air pollution is that's something that can easily be quantified in terms of like how many you know like more deaths per year you're yeah you're you know receiving because of that in the hospital and you know i always healthcare costs are easy easy to make the case just like in a short-term perspective like climate change aside like air pollution is such a big effect i'm coming to learn even in the u.s like it just makes so much sense to clean up the air for for savings. And I, China's been doing a lot because of that. I haven't done too much research into the numbers as a, mm-hmm. uh, like in terms of healthcare as a result of pollution in Beijing, but something I've always wondered about because um, I I'd imagine like you said it's it's got to play a huge role in yeah that expectancy and the toll on the healthcare system. So I'd be really curious, but I also wonder if the numbers are reliable. You know, I just don't. Yeah, I, I think it'd be pretty tough to get reliable numbers mm-hmm. from China. Um, but in, yeah. in terms of pollution in Beijing, like mm-hmm. I, I don't want it to sound like I'm kind of backing up China in right. any way, because I do think that right. they have some of the most polluted cities on Earth and they are one of the worst countries in terms of just in general, how much pollution they're creating and the disregard for their trash and they they dump yeah. it on different countries and all this all this awful stuff um right but i will say in terms of beijing if you look at the pollution over the last five years it's gotten exponentially better like exponentially yeah. man like i when i got to beijing about i don't know a year and a half ago um mm-hmm. or just just a year ago people were telling me that about two years ago they would wake up in the morning and there was so much pollution outside that your windows would just be covered in dust every morning. And wow, that when you would go outside, if, if, the, if it was a high AQI, so a high rate of air uh, pollution, air quality, yeah. um, you could taste the pollution. That's how bad oh, it would get. God. And yeah. that was only two years prior to when I got there. And when I got there, man, it was some days it would be bad, but mm-hmm. it, was, it, it was not nearly that bad. And so I think, I mean, they've made, they've made leaps and bounds to improve. Mm -hmm. And actually, I mean, they have so many electric vehicles in Beijing now, and they actually only allow electric scooters and stuff, which I was always super annoyed about because I just had like a little electric scooter that and my battery would always die. But anyway. um, (laughs) Wait, so they banned 
like combustion engines in Beijing? So they didn't ban it, but they essentially made it impossible to get a hold of it because of the license and how expensive it was. So wow. a no few idea. people have them, but it's mm-hmm. really tough to get your hands on. Um, yeah, man. So they do all plastic kind of measures. And I mean, I don't know when they implemented that whole system, but I mean, could you imagine something like that happening in like a New York City yeah. or LA? Like it would just take years to like re- replace the fleet of cars that we have now yeah. electric vehicles. And it's really, it's crazy how quickly they can uh, they yeah, do things. Is. That is um, absurd. And, and like we've been saying, it helps in a lot of ways, but it also hurts if they are making a decision that is negative, can negatively, negatively impact other countries. Like the first example I use about how they're unloading their trash. Right. Everybody. right. Um, like, yeah, that definitely sounds like it hurts the countries and like loads trash onto other places that aren't capable of handling it and probably mm-hmm. a lot of trash yeah building uh, up got lost in the process right. right but um but yeah just as an example of how quick they can do things yeah that's crazy i def i'm like surprised i hadn't heard about that before that the you know essentially a, it sounds like a ban on combustion engines for or like new combustion engines maybe or like you know priced essentially so that it's a yeah impossible. have have a have a look into it, man. I'm curious to hear what you have to say. I think that um, I think a lot of things China does gets overlooked yeah. in Western media um, for you know a decent cause, right? Like it's understandable, right? Um, but they, yeah, they're doing so much. And I think also the example you gave of the bullet trains. I think that that kind of like the healthcare uh, analyzing the healthcare costs mm-hmm. that to me is the the bullet train is a blatant kind of just comparison right and it's like very white and black um mm-hmm. black and white and in the case of China they yeah i mean they implemented bullet trains quickly and on a massive scale i mean they're everywhere and it's so useful yeah it's how so useful. how fast like i don't really know china's geography but like you can go like you went to Harbin, right? Like that's pretty far away. Yeah. The, so the bullet train took about six and a half hours, something like that. I think a normal train would take 11 or 12. I don't wow. know the exact speed that it's going on. Um, but here, here's one example. So I work and live in Beijing and there yep. is a city called Tianjin, which is about, yep. um, it's, it's far, but it's close. It's the next city close to Beijing. Um, yeah. I don't know how long it would be driving or how many miles exactly, but it's a different city, right? And Beijing is massive. And so I would have students in Beijing and in Tianjin. And my students in Beijing that lived on the opposite side of the city, the opposite side of Beijing, it would take them like an hour and 15 minutes to come to the office to have a meeting with me. And my yeah. students in Tianjin would take the bullet train from Tianjin to Beijing. And yeah. they would get there in about 35 minutes. So Damn. they were in a different city and they were getting there quicker to me than people in my own city are just on the opposite end. Wow. Yeah. So it I looks always, like I was always yeah. so weirded out by that. I was like, how is this happening? <laughs> yeah. So I just pulled it up. It looks like it's 150, 140, I don't know. <laughs> it's like 60 to 80 miles. Mm. So you said they can get there in 35 minutes. About. That's going like 120 miles an hour, I think. Quick number. Uh, yeah, I guess. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's dude. Yeah. That's absurdly fast. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean half half the time as it takes in a car. You right. know? Yeah. So that's that's crazy, dude. Definitely. And, and what's the price for those? Like, is it is it high to uh, take a bullet? Huh. When I took it, um, I think it was about I want to say it was about forty bucks. Um, one way. Yeah. 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 One way. To Harbin or to to, to Harbin to Harbin. Yeah. And that's far. You said that was like a six. It's hour far. Trip. Yeah. It's far. Yeah. So it sounds like bullet trains are like much faster than cars, maybe a little slower than a plane, but probably not as much security and, you know, that kind of stuff you need to, to do it for going to the airport. Mm-hmm. So probably pretty comparable to flying, if not faster, when thinking about getting to the airport. Uh, well, flying, I mean, I think in some cases it'll be faster if the distance mm-hmm. is shorter, but I think flying over longer distance. I think if I flow, flew to Harbin, I would have gotten yeah. there quicker. Okay. Um, maybe like four hours. I don't know. Okay. So like a good medium, medium, uh, option, medium right. term. Right. That's yeah. Good to know, man. Yeah. I'm definitely, that was one of the things I was excited to see in China was like their infrastructure. Cause I've heard, you know, just been like living in Boston and you know, the New York subway, like I've heard it's one, like a funny thing that happens is like people come from China, come to the U S and go to cities like New York and Boston you know, they hear all about them, you know, through the media and whatnot. And then they get there and they see our shitty old subway system that's smelly. And it's just like <laughs> super disappointing to them coming from, you know, like such a modernized transportation system. I've heard it's a pretty funny shock. That is um, funny. I mean, I definitely think yeah. that when you go to a new city, one of the first things you notice of that city is their public transportation because that's where you're going to be using constantly. And right. yeah. so, like, I remember going to London. And just thinking, damn, these subways are clean and fast and they're amazing. It's definitely one of the most like public facing kind of things that a city has yeah. to talk about. Yeah. It can be a pretty big part of the culture too. Yeah. You know, Boston, everyone takes pretty much everyone takes the subway around, at least that I work with. You know, and it's everyone knows what line is a good line, what's a slow line, blah, right, blah, right. blah. Yeah. It's interesting too, man. Um, you know, I I didn't look at staying in LA like big factor being the traffic you know that would have been associated so much so inefficient in terms of mm-hmm. your time just waiting in traffic but i think i think it's 2028 la is set to host the olympics mm-hmm. um and they have like i forget how many it is it might be like 28 projects that they're working on they have some goals like 20 by 28 or 28 by 28 and they're really trying to modernize the la public transit so I don't know if you remember, but they're extending. Yeah. And I think you took some of the public transit because you work downtown, but they're extending, like, I think the purple line. Yeah, the purple. All the way. Yeah. So they're just going to go right to UCLA and I think maybe a little further, like to the VA center. And they're just doing a lot. Um, so I'm, like, really excited to see how that pans out. And I think they're also going to be hosting the World Cup partly, like, two years later. So there's just a lot of pressure on the city to – to prepare for that, you know? Um, and I, I think it could really change the look of the city. It's good. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm optimistic. Get some yeah. external deadlines in there. And it's, that's, that's the way exactly. it's change for sure. Exactly. Yeah. That's if you want to, you know, put, put the U S on a pedestal in terms of, you know, one of the biggest, you know, and well-known cities, so here it is, you know, the world cup and the Olympics are two fantastic opportunities. So, uh, yeah, yeah I'm yeah, man. interested to see how that goes. And, would you know? I'd consider moving back to LA if if that can be squared away. I think that's a huge, 
huge deal for mm. LA. Huge obstacle. Yeah, totally, exactly. Man. I agree. Yeah, and the the subway system that they do have right now, it's it exists, but it's so sparse that the chances of you like being in one location of the subway and having to go to yeah. a stop on it is so yeah. tiny, just because of the how massive the city oh, is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's good to see that they're building in more lines. It's going to be yeah. huge for UCLA. So yeah, I mean, you took sure. it. Oh yeah, I want to ask. I, I just want to yeah. highlight, like you took it from. No, go- public yeah. transit from UCLA to downtown, which are like two pretty, you know, hopping areas, Westwood and downtown, but there isn't a subway that goes there. Like how, like, would that take you at least an hour, probably an hour and a half? Dude, it was trash. I, I, at least an hour. I, I had to take a bus yeah. to the subway. For a while um, too. Like it wasn't just, or a, just like a five minute bus. Or just two yeah. buses. Right. Yeah. It was a long, yeah, dude, it sucked. And it would take, yeah, an hour, hour yeah. and 15. And you're going like... Um, 15 miles, (laughs) you know, that that shouldn't, right. Yeah. You're not going far at all. And yeah, yeah, man. And I had to walk to the bus, which was awesome. Right. Like, so that was a 15 minute walk. Like it was just, the whole thing was just some, an ordeal. And I was actually waking up. If you remember, I was waking up at like four during that time. So I would take the bus at like four 30 and it was just me and a bunch of people. (laughs) <laughs> and, and I'm in my I'm in my button down shirt <laughs> and my expensive shoes and all these homeless people and they they don't know what time yeah. they're wide awake you <laughs> yeah. know they don't know it's four thirty a.m. and man some of the shit that I would see man oh. I would get I would get scared I, dude. I mean they're screaming sometimes yeah, and they're like some of them are trying to talk to me and I'm just like trying not to get my clothes like dirty right. or something and and it was rough yeah, man. it was rough and that's another it's another thing about california uh that i think is a real public facing is the whole homeless problem yeah um, but honestly that's a that's a that's a whole other yeah problem, yeah I say. True, um, true. <laughs> but i i want to ask in terms of um the environment man i remember or if i remember correctly you don't eat pork right is it pork or beef? it's beef yeah beef beef yeah beef i fuck i, I should oh, yeah, beef is really really bad for the environment right Cal? yeah yeah so i don't eat beef entirely for the like environmental reasons yeah, right. I mean, and you're still doing that, right? Yeah, I've been doing it oh, like since freshman year. So since that general education class I took, the geography. Oh wow! Class I, took, I didn't know you were doing it for that long. Yeah, yeah, dude, it was actually pretty funny. I worked at um, I, I think I told you, but I worked at a food truck in in Maine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was called Mainly Burgers, you know. So it was a burger food mm-hmm. truck. I worked there like right after my senior year of high school, and then right after my freshman year of college. So at freshman year, I stopped eating beef. And uh, working at a food truck that sells hamburgers, you know, it's kind of, I don't know, funnier. Yeah, it's a tricky thing. And uh, I would just only eat, like, the veggie burgers or chicken. So it was just pretty funny, you know, working at a burger shop and then, you know, kind of making this self-pledge to, to stop eating beef. Um, I remember, yeah, like, the, so the summer after my freshman year, I worked the full summer there and didn't have, you know, one cheeseburger. just was eating the veggie patties and then chicken. And my boss is like, and the founder is only two years older than me. So we were buddies and, uh, I I didn't really like tell him up front, but he started noticing. And I remember like, he just like, I had another veggie burger for lunch instead of having a burger. He was like, Oh, big Ed putting down another veggie, you know, (laughs) trying to like make fun of me. I mean, it was all fun and games. Like it didn't really get, dude, you know, what's you know, what's funny about that man (laughs) is that I think one of the funniest things is that. Like, so you were working in a burger place, but did, couldn't eat right. burgers. And then 
I think it's also funny that you're you're from Maine, but dislike lobster. Yeah, yeah. And and you love the beach, which like it doesn't really exist. In I Maine. know. Like, yeah, <laughs> man. It it seems like Maine wasn't a good spot for me. You know, like we weren't a good match. It's so. I appreciate it now funny, that yeah. I'm, you know, looking back. But yeah, yeah, sure. definitely, definitely didn't. Uh, yeah, wasn't. I'm not like a true Mainer, you know. Like if if someone mm. from like another part of Maine were to like. You just interact with people from my town or like hear what I'm saying they'd be like oh no you know like that's that kid's not you know he's not from Maine you know like I'm for sure yeah, it's, a, it's a funny dynamic I'm sure it's similar in New York you know with like if you get pretty far upstate you, it's a whole different you know demographic I'd think uh, entirely, right? yeah, entirely yeah. similar yeah. to Maine uh, probably not as pronounced to be honest but um, mm-hmm. yeah but yeah yeah um yeah dude one other quick thing i wanted to talk about too is uh surfing because that's kind of something i've been dabbling in i finally like had you know enough time with this east coast schedule and while i was in san diego to like you know like consistently go like a couple times a week you know and like really work and actually get better i mean i'd gone a couple of times at ucla but like here and there didn't really like build you know on my skills and whatnot but like i'm finally been able to go like a few times this summer like and uh i've been like able to stand up dude and i remember you were saying you you went yeah. pretty consistently in the philippines it's so much fun man once you get the hang of so it dude. like oh i'm thinking whenever we're back in in town or wherever we gotta we gotta hit the waves man and paddle out 100%. totally dude i have the i remember you said it's pretty seasonal in vietnam has that has, has the season come has the season yeah no, it's uh, about like September, October. It should get a little bit better, but the waves still don't compare to California. Is there, I mean, what are there seasons? Is it seasonal in California as well? I think parts of it are. I know my brother in Santa Cruz says they're a lot better in the winter, um, but right. I think like LA and San Diego County are just pretty consistently great throughout the year. Um, For sure. Yeah. But I mean, I'm just starting to get into it, so I can't really speak too much on it. But I know I, I like was. I bought a wetsuit for New England and haven't gone there yet, but I know New England's super seasonal and definitely sparser locations that get waves. Um, so, it's great fun, yeah. man. Yeah. And I, it's funny surfing. I feel like is really just, how do I say this? Almost like a metaphor for so many things, like in the least cliche way possible. Just like, <laughs> it's so calming it's so calming to be out there in the ocean, just like waiting for the right wave and you yeah. just have to time it correctly. Right. Like there's just so much like intuition involved with it. Yeah. And I don't know, there's just something like really peaceful about it, I guess that I other like sports don't necessarily have. Yeah. Cool. It's different. It is. It is. Yeah. You're the timing. You, you gotta like literally ride the wave, you know, you, yeah, man, it, be, be one like with let the it ocean. take you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I know what you mean though. Like, like yeah. not trying to be cliche, but like, yeah, it is all about like your collaboration with Mother Nature and just not fight. <laughs> like you gotta like you know you gotta catch the wave, but you can't fight it too much. And yeah, 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 man. I've I've learned. You know, I've had plenty of wipeouts and whatnot, and it's just fun getting out there in the waves. You know, especially me being like you know how I kind of prefaced earlier, like a really big beach guy. It's like another awesome activity for the beach, man. So the beach mm-hmm. stock just climbs higher and higher. It's definitely. I think I think I realized this the other day. This is like the furthest I've ever lived from the beach, just being in this wow. apartment in Mammoth. It's like four and a half hours, wow. which 
yeah, I mean, I feel bad rough, for everyone rough, living rough. in the middle states. I can't imagine. Yeah, it's it's rough on the soul, man. That was one of the things I realized yeah. when I went to Beijing as well. It was so far from the water. Yeah, it was fucking rough. Yeah, what's the beach culture like there, man? I know. Oh, dude, it's zero, about... man. Yeah, yeah. I, I went to the beach one time to this place called Qinhuangdao, which is a couple of hours like east of Beijing, and man, the pollution there. You can't. You couldn't see like a hundred yards in front of you. You couldn't see the horizon yeah. of the ocean. It was just everything was just like grayish white, man. It was it was rough. It made me really sad. Did you go into the water? Yeah, man. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you went all the way out there, dude. I, right. I, 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 I didn't have a chance. Yet. My my yeah. friend did it. I just went in for a second, just because for old time's sake. But um, I, but I, I yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I know you would have for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> In terms of surfing, have you seen the documentary called Momentum? I've not. No. What's the Dude, premise? Strongly, strongly recommend it, man. Like um, one of the, I know, yeah, yeah. one of my favorite documentaries. Oh, Kelly Slater and his group of friends growing yeah. up, and one of the people in his friend group, all all their surfers, was basically like um, working on just like making videos. He was just like a. Um, like a film guy, right? Yeah, and yeah. so they have they have all this amazing footage from them being super young and growing up and basically just a group of friends that started out surfing mm-hmm. and then kind of ended up being world-class, um, best of all time surfers. And they're Jeez. all great friends and it just is kind of like the waves um, and the ups and downs that they go through. And it's it's a great documentary, man. It'll get you pumped up. Oh sure. yeah, man. I love to hear that. I'm definitely yeah. adding that to the list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you seen Surfs Up? <laughs> it's like a not, cartoon not. animated thing. I saw that as a kid. Definitely <laughs> piqued my interest. Um, not the same degree of recommendation, but if you yeah. see it, watch it. It's pretty funny. Great soundtrack, too. Some good reggae, mm-hmm. some good SoCal music. Yeah. So it's important. Yeah, yeah. Makes or breaks the movie. I wanted to to mention about the, the meat. The reason why I brought that up oh, yeah. is because I... I haven't eaten meat in six or seven weeks, I think. Maybe a bit longer. Really? Now. Oh, wow, man. Yeah, man. I'm uh, yeah. completely, completely vegetarian at What's, the moment. Is, is, what was the motivation? Is it health? Is it environmental or just experiment? Yeah, or? so good good question. I uh, From the outlook, I think it's a little bit of all of those things. Um, yeah. But specifically the turning point. Uh, that kind of yeah made me decide to to go through with it was on that road trip, going up north, man. Yeah. And seeing the way that they treat the animals and handle them, mm. and just like being so close to it was so yeah. just revolting to me. And right, man. There, there's there, there's a few stories I can I'll, I'll, I'll mention. Um, but in mm-hmm. in general, like. <laughs> I always thought that I was kind of like, you know, I, I'm eating meat. Um, I, this is going to sound like a really kind of masculine thing to say, but yeah, um, I, I'm eating meat. And it's like, if I was in the opportunity to like hunt my own meat, I'd be doing it and I'd be skinning it. And like, I could do those things basically as a man. Right. right but right. being so close to it and seeing all that, I realized how much of a little bitch I was. Cause I would never do any <laughs> of that shit dude. Cause that yeah. stuff is so gnarly, man. And it's just I so, bet, it's so intense and real. And honestly, like I just felt like if I can't, if, if I'm not willing to actually do it myself, I shouldn't be eating it. Um, and that's just yeah. kind of how I felt in that moment. And, um, 
a few of the things that I saw, man, these are, these are, yeah. Pretty graphic. Yeah. 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 But so yeah, graphic. Exactly. I I'm, I'm at the, the weekend market on like a Sunday morning. So we, the weekend markets are like popping. Um, there's a bunch Mm -hmm. of people and I'm just sitting there eating my noodles with, with some beef or pork. I don't even know what it was. And Mm -hmm. there's a, a guy who's dragging a pig by the neck just on a rope like behind me Ugh, he's just dragging yes. him the pig is like squealing and stuff he brings him like behind a shed and the pig is yelling and yelling and yelling and then all of a sudden the pig just like yells really loud and stops and uh, and i'm like dude. sitting there eating eating this meat and i'm just like oh my gosh like first of all just gross he's like dragging the pig on the ground by his neck like it's just nasty yeah. and then yeah, man. And uh, it was just, it was, it was incredible. Uh, and I, I just felt like a crazy feeling. And, um, and then there was another part where it was the middle of the day and we just stopped to find some food and found literally one lady that just had a sign outside her door that said noodles, which was pretty much the entire road trip. Like we were literally just looking for some noodles because that's the only <laughs> thing, the only thing you friggin' eat. Um, the, noodle, the noodle hunt. Yeah. yeah, dude. Noodles coming out of my ears, dude. But, um, <laughs> and so we get there and she's got this noodle soup, surprise, surprise. And, um, yeah. it was, it was hard to explain. Like, so I had a couple bites of it and then I okay. look up and I'm like, and I asked my Vietnamese friend, I was like, wait a second, what, what am I eating right here, dude? And yeah. he basically listed out the skin, the cartilage, the eyeballs, the liver, the tongue, like literally mm. every part of the cow. And I was just, <laughs> I was so grossed out, man. And you could like tell if you looked at it, you could tell what those parts were. Yeah. And I literally felt like I was eating the face off of a cow and it was disgusting. And like, that's another thing. It's like, if I don't feel comfortable eating the actual thing, like the actual meat, um, cause mm-hmm. that's what it really is. Then I shouldn't also be allowed to eat just like the nice steak that comes out oh. of like the one portion of the belly that like is kind of just created to look appetizing for me. It's like, yeah, so that's, so that's kind of the stem of it. It's like, if I don't, I, I, I just feel like I'm not, I shouldn't be allowed to do it if I'm not allowed to do it the the, mm-hmm. the way it's meant to be almost. And right. So, yeah. And I do feel much better, but I also don't know if that was because I stopped eating meat because I made a lot of drastic changes to my diet at the same time that I stopped eating meat. So it's really hard to say. Yeah. Um, but no, I do feel, I, I do I feel, feel better. And also, I mean, you just hear so much about just, you know, the the atrocities in like western countries of how they're raising meat and the idea Mm -hmm. that they're just like bulking them up just as much as possible to get them just as fat as possible and killing them yeah at the right time like purely for food like it's just so incredibly unnatural yeah man in a lot of different ways in my life i'm trying to be as natural as possible personally like i i only do calisthenics like i Mm -hmm. want to eat like whole whole raw foods and um yeah yeah, it's just such an unnatural way to eat so i just that's that's kind of my reasoning yeah dude i love to hear that man that's i I wouldn't expect that but i think that's a really interesting uh, and like kind of eye-opening you know me me and you are pretty well i just thought it would have been a health related Mm. decision Mm when I asked that question, 
Um, and it's just, I mean, I mean, I'd say it's funny looking back at it because I remember junior year we were roommates and I remember, I think you had two pretty drastic switch. I think you were kind of vegetarian for hot sec. Hot and then you're also for a hot sec only ate meat like you're on some <laughs> heavy meat diet like there was like two like drastic changes and you were like trying to you're like oh yeah you know like back in the day we were only hunters and gatherers so like i'm just gonna like eat like that and then you're like dude i forgot about like a thousand years of evolution when we started eating meat <laughs> and then you just had some giant switch so i wasn't sure where you were going with this but yeah man animal cruelty is a whole nother another avenue that I haven't really been exposed to. You know, I haven't, I haven't had those same experiences when I've mm. like literally seen or like, you know, been that close to something getting slaughtered for, for, for a meal. And yeah, I mean, yeah. I think if I, oh. just because I haven't been exposed hey. to that. Yeah. Animal another huge avenue. I think there's just so many reasons not to eat meat, man. If you look at it, you know, from a, just, if you were born yeah. today, you know, and like, culture everything you know historically is irrelevant and you're just looking forward you're like okay most occasions meat is more expensive Mm. it's worse for the environment it's cruel for those animals um i think there's a fourth reason that i'm forgetting it's healthier it's it's literally it's better for you i feel like yeah in terms of if you can get your proteins yeah from other sources yeah then i think it's it's healthier but yeah, pr- protein is a funny thing because I, I don't know how mm. much you really actually need, man. I mean, there's literally like zero documented cases of like protein deficiency in the U.S. So like even people that like are vegetarian, there's not yeah. a single person that doesn't have enough protein Interesting. in their system. Um, and I guess I don't know the exact science behind all of it, but it's not. I just don't feel like protein is as correlated like with muscle growth yeah. as people huh. assume. Like I think that there's massive people like like really? Mike Tyson is a vegan and like like just all this like gorillas or like elephants, like all these people, you know, they're massively um huge just beings. And uh so I yeah. don't know. I don't know. What have you been seeing like kind of as a substitute? Um, just curious, like I, has there been like what's your main diet? Noodles? Yeah, I I, I guess I guess I yeah. get a lot of nuts and seeds. No, I try not to eat carbs like that. Nuts and seeds, uh, a lot of fruit. I'd say I'm probably eating 50% fruit. Yeah. So like I'll have like one meal, like big meal a day, and then probably everything else. Yeah, is just and like some funky and fruits some over there, right? Like, um, like fruit, yeah. Yeah, some cool stuff, dragon fruit, yeah, stuff like that. But I wanted to say about yeah. how I uh, switched diets a bunch. I want to comment on that. Yeah. I, I talk about this a little bit in the previous podcast, actually, just in terms of like where I'm at and how I view uh, my understanding yeah. of things that are going on in life. And like, I'm, I'm 23, you know, and I have these opinions and perspectives, but I, I they're just representative of yep. now in my life. Like I expect them to change and I want them to change. And I think that, me changing my diet to me, like you saying that is like, I view it in it. It's a good way that I'm changing my opinion because I'm learning new things. And yeah, you're growing. Um, but I think, right. And I acknowledge that I changed. Right. And I want to, but, uh, it's interesting. I just think that a lot of people can view it as like being inconsistent. Right. But I think that, I mean, I, 
I acknowledge that I don't know yeah. shit basically. And like, I'm trying to have more experiences. Um, and yeah, man, you're, you're experimenting. Yeah. Right. I think that's totally cool. And I think right. I'm definitely right. heading towards like a vegetarian diet as well. Um, so yeah, I'll definitely, uh, keep in touch on that. Cause I'm curious to hear, you know, cause I feel like yeah. pretty similar lifestyles or more similar. So that's- For sure. Well, you know, it's interesting, man. The, the thing that's hardest about being, a, uh, being on a vegetarian diet is not like craving meat. I mean, I have, I have yeah. not craved meat right. a single time, right? Like that's not even the thing. The hard part is the social yeah. obligations, you know, it's like your boys hit you up and want to go grab a burger or go to like Buffalo Wild Wings. It's like, it's just, it's tough to sit there and not, and say no, or just like sit there while they're Yeah, not, yeah, exactly. You know? That, that that's yeah. where it gets And I, I will like say that. like, I have had beef or steak in the past four years. I've just never like made the decision myself, like similar situation kind of like, you know, if, if I were to go home or like go to, go to Maine and stay at someone's parents, it's like, oh, Eddie's coming back. We're going to make steaks and they'll make them without me asking. And, you know, if, if they make the food, I'm not going to like, you know, yeah. not eat it, you know, and kind of like protest. Right. Like, I would likely still mention that, yeah, I try not to eat beef, but like, I don't want to like, you know, upset them. Um, so it is like, yeah, that, that social norm of meat is is definitely, I think, as I agree, is like the hardest uh, obstacle or, you know reason stopping or yeah challenge I, th- I think yeah and i think that's a very good example like those yeah. scenarios where like you're almost entering somebody's home or a restaurant and like they want to make something for you yeah that, that's where it actually yeah tough. yeah Especially another funny countries. story i remember um yeah. remember my, my girlfriend's sophomore year i was going to visit her um up in berkeley so i mean it's likely you know if there's a chill area berkeley is probably as chill as it gets um, but I remember she told her parents and specifically her dad, who I'd never met before, that I don't eat beef. Um, so he, she like sorted it all out and they were making me like veggie burgers and they were going to all have steaks. And I remember being like a little rattled, you know, just like my first introduction to my girlfriend's father. I don't know who he is, but it sounded like he was a pretty masculine guy and that she said that, you know, I was <laughs> like, oh, like, honestly, I think looking back, I, I would have rather had eaten beef that one time. Just for like the perception, mm. you know, because uh, I just didn't want to be perceived as like a, you know, like hippie, vegan, vegetarian guy, you know, just in terms of, you know, how her father thought of me. So it was kind of like a funny, you know, issue in my head that totally ended up being fine. I mean, probably because it was Berkeley, California, but yeah. that's another thing too, just the the masculinity association with beef in uh, meats is another thing that needs to get worked through, which I think I've done pretty well on, but I I still like, am a little cautious, like with that kind of stuff. Um, it's just, I think it's just like a self-confidence thing, but, um, it's, it's definitely been like another factor for me. I don't know if if you'd encounter that at all, but. I, I will say that here personally, like most, I, most, maybe most people are vegetarian or vegan. Like I think that people traveling in general are pretty, I I don't want to say most, but maybe maybe a lot. Uh, People traveling in general are just uh, like doing yoga, meditating, they're vegan. Like 
you know, they like have a YouTube channel, they're creating a <laughs> podcast, like, <laughs> you know, so it's, it's that type of person. So I think that, I think it really depends on the, like just location yeah. that you're in. Cause I mean, if you think of like California compared to New York or Boston, I mean, California is way more acceptable yeah. um, compared to New York or Boston. I just imagine like if I went home and told one of my boys from back home that I was a vegetarian, uh, they would, yeah, they would, yeah, I just, yeah, I, no, 100%, they would berate dude. me with, with comments. Yeah. Um, and it would honestly, like, it's, it's kind of annoying that I know that. I think that in general, perception is getting better. And I think people are like becoming a lot more open to like just different ways of living yeah. in general. And it's almost like a, uh, it's almost like a filter, man. It's like, it's not the fact that like I'm vegetarian and that I'm annoyed that somebody, is would be um like make jokes about it but it's a it's annoying that somebody is unwilling to accept the way that i right. live you know like it, it has nothing to do with the vegetarian thing it's just kind of like a um it, it's just i don't know it's, it's, it's totally a filter thing i think yeah. to deal with and yeah and so it's a filter from my perspective it's like all right like if you care about it that much like dude like i'm not trying to chill exactly yeah i mean um, if someone's that focused on like yeah exactly yeah. i don't really want to be hanging out with them but dude literally the same right. exact thing like how you're saying boston new york difference i'd never really noticed it but then yeah when i stopped eating beef everyone was like my first summer like oh dude california is getting to you too much you know they weren't accepting yeah. Yeah. and then being in mass or boston for a year and then coming back i'm like telling people like people would be like oh dude, what, do you, what do you want to get to eat the burgers and i'll be like nah and then everyone's like oh dude yeah like i like half my family doesn't eat beef you know it's just like holy <laughs> what it's i'm like so close to the norm here or at least people i interact with whereas in boston right. i'm like the weird the odd one out you know so it, it right no totally man i'd forgotten about how different it was until i left and then come back you know, it's a bubble for sure. It, with with certain things, hundred yeah. percent, it's eye opening. Uh, eating meat, and then another thing I always think about that I think I have mentioned to you is the amount of fights. Yeah, oh, dude, on. yeah, it's so stupid. It's <laughs> it's so incredibly stupid, and I almost, I mean, I could talk about this for a while, but it's it's so just it's just stupid, man. Like if you're out, like in Boston or New York you expect there yeah. to be a fight. Like, I think that it's almost rare that if you go out and you're out all night for five or six hours and you don't see a fight, you're like, oh, that was kind of a calm night. Yeah. You know? Like, it's literally almost expected oh, that you see yeah. some drunk dude get mad at some other drunk dude. And you, that doesn't happen in California. No. Like, it does not I happen. Wonder, I wonder if it's, it's correlated, man. If, like, if it's a testosterone thing or just a cultural thing. I guess. I think it's just yeah. cultural, man. Like, I think. Yeah. And it's, it's, it sucks. It sucks. It's like, I, I think I grew up like understanding the fighting. It's like, you got to protect what's yours and like, you got to stand up for yourself and stuff like right. that. But there comes a point where like, you become like a grown ass man and you just realize that you're just too drunk idiots at a bar and it doesn't right. matter, like at all. Risk reward you know? is and not even close to value. I mean, the, yeah. the damage that you can do to other people as a grown man or to yourself. Like, yeah. Like you can kill somebody right. if you're not literally, careful. and I like as a kid you don't have that power, but like now I I feel like people do, and um, it's just stupid, man. It's just and that's one of the that's one of the things that I always notice 
when going back home. And I think I'll comment that. And like you said, people will be like, man, California. Got yeah. I'm just like, dude, you are <laughs> you're, like, uh, like you're like, you want to just fight. Like you want to ruin your fucking nice clothes and just ruin your night. Like just, stupid. it's funny too. Cause but, it's like, I don't think they'll say that they like fighting. They're like, Oh no, dude, I got dragged into it or something, you know, right. never their fault. But I'm just like, dude, I went out as well. Like I've been out plenty of times and I've never got, I've never gotten dragged into anything, man. Like, I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> so hundred yeah. percent. And interesting. Yeah. Almost like the situation when I, we were in New York with, with your buddy, our buddies from, from college. Mm -hmm. Um, and there was that one dude, <laughs> I think, I think one, one of our buddies, one of the friends in our friend group just kind of like knocked into him by accident. I mean, this bar was crowded. Yeah. Like yeah. Packed dude. And so I guess he knocked into him and he dropped his drink. Very understandable thing. That <laughs> yeah. And the dude is going off for like 30 minutes, <laughs> like trying to fight. Yeah. And I'm just like, dude, like if we can buy yourself a new drink dude it doesn't matter like of course somebody knocked know. into you look at this place yeah. it's like a fucking it's like a zoo in here yeah. and like all of us from california we're literally just kind of laughing at him right. and not really reacting right and it was just such a stark difference and i i appreciated it and it was also just frustrating to see yeah um yeah but like literally man something as simple like you get your drink knocked out of your hands like you're gonna like how much of a child are you? Right, to, uh, you're gonna let that get, to get you, that ruin, ruin your, night. your night. Yeah, dude. Now, I'm getting, I'm getting worked up just thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny, dude, about that story? I didn't see it happen, but I remember hearing about it the next day. And our buddy that knocked over his drink went to go buy him another drink, and he just kind of like was too drunk and forgot, and just bought himself a drink and then walked away. <laughs> the guy was probably oh, even more fumed. But yeah, yeah, I know, dude. It's such a, it's such a stark difference. It is wild. Yeah, man. It's crazy, dude. I don't know if you remember, we had that, that bear at my apartment. Yeah, I so. want to ask you about that. <laughs> let's let's jump into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure, sure. Um, yeah, dude. So I actually don't know if I've told you yet, but I'm uh, I just got a like month to month lease for an apartment, like a studio apartment up in Mammoth. I'm not sure if you know what Mammoth mm -hmm. is, but like the ski mountain, right. kind of like in the in the Sierra Nevada, uh, and uh, dude, it was hilarious. Like me and my little brother went on like a legit eight hour hike. It was like a Saturday, I think, a couple weeks wow. ago. Eight hour hike, this beautiful area through the mountains and woods and whatnot, like on high alert, you know, for any activity, any type, any type of uh, you know, danger. Um, <laughs> but like, it was super chill get back to our, uh, like, you know, it's essentially like a ski, little ski condo. And like we park and like a bear just runs across the street, almost gets hit by a car, like at my neighbor's house. Oh and my I'm God. just like, what dude? And we, I mean, I'd never seen a, like a bear that close. It was literally like 30 yards away and it ran into my neighbor's garage. And it was just like some people, um, vacationing there and they go down and yell at it it runs up a tree and we're like watching it for five minutes we don't like we're like you know just out in the open at that point so i don't know if we're like at risk at all of it like charging us but um we eventually like <laughs> go back we were like all right we'll give it some space you know it's like kind of freaked out we go back and then we hear like some kids screaming 
And my brother looks out like our sliding door and it was literally like walking right up to our door, dude. It was, and I'm so glad that we had it closed and locked, but it was like, geez, man, two, yeah. feet, two feet away from us. It was, it was a glass door too, which was kind of scary. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then it like walked around to our other side and, um, just like took a nap literally like right outside my other window in my kitchen. So that's when you, I think I sent some Snapchats around and, I'm glad you were you were on your phone and hit me with that quick FaceTime because it was there dude, for yeah. like 20 minutes. It was, I don't know, dude. One of the one of the coolest things I've seen. Like, I've never really been to like or been that close to like any wildlife. You know, like two, literally like five feet away when it was outside my my window. So like, yeah, man. Yeah, it was. No, that's, it was it's unbelievable. Yeah, it is, yeah. It's such a rare experience and opportunity to see that. It's, it's pretty crazy. And uh, yeah. FaceTime you dude like that was it was not a cup like it was probably what would you say half grown maybe like in yeah and like a and a mom yeah it yeah it was definitely like an adolescent I, I mean I don't know like black bears too well but it, yeah it, 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 it was a good size. size yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. If, I mean I had my brother on my side but I don't know man if that thing it, I, it definitely could have it felt like it could take down that glass door if it wanted to dude oh easily yeah yeah easily. <laughs> so easily. uh yeah, it was it was pretty dope, but um, man, yeah, I guess I guess they're like pretty somewhat common to come into the town because a lot of people will leave their like trash and food out, um, so it, like attracts them, you know, just kind of like easy mm. food they're stocking up before winter out here. So it's a pretty common occurrence, and they have like or they used to have like what they call like a bear whisperer in the town you're supposed to call him and he's like super good with just like getting them out but um i guess he recently got furloughed because of whatnot so uh, i guess dude, I that, that, that's an essential worker man get i know, back. I know. It's back. Like a, a bear town so um, wow and yeah, so wrote it out <laughs> yeah well uh what town specifically are you in is it is it mammoth like is that the name yeah, of the town yeah it's it's mammoth lakes so it's like a they have a year-round population of like eight thousand, so really tiny. But it's it, it's really like LA's ski mountain, you know. It's like right. four four and a half hours away, yeah. and a lot of people from LA and Orange County come up on the weekends, like even in the summer, especially in the winter. But like even in the summer, and there, there yeah. there's definitely like a like an anti-tourism or like anti you know like tourists visitors kind of feel here. Hmm. I'm trying to integrate, you know, become one of the locals, but I, it's it's a long process. There's there's Mammoth, and then there's another mountain kind of close to LA, right? What's, what's yeah, the there's one? Big Bear. Big, Big Bear. One. Yeah, it's that's a little closer. That, right, yeah. That's one that I've been to. Um, right, right, yeah. Mammoth's like significantly bigger, though. From I, I've been to both, and I'm not like a skier, you know, per se, but yeah. I definitely think there's a lot more runs and whatnot at Mammoth. For sure. Let's um, I, let, let's back up for a second, and then I want to hear about kind of your story uh, throughout coronavirus because you started out in Boston, and you're still, I believe, yeah. still working for that same company. So tell me a little bit about yeah, moving back to California and then like getting to Mammoth and stuff like that. Yeah, man. Happy to happy to <laughs> walk yeah. through that. It's uh, yeah. I mean, and we saw each other in like when did you come back? January for a hot sec too. Yeah, so that uh, was like February, but yeah, February, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was kind of like before it really hit the states, right? But yeah, I mean, as soon as like I think it was like mid March, shit kind of hit the fan, you know. Kind of, 
it seemed like nationwide, definitely in Boston. And we shifted just like completely virtual, you know, everyone thought it was just going to be like a week or two. Um, but yeah, I just kept kind of going on, going on. And I remember like people started to go home. Like I, a lot of the people I knew in Boston are from like, you know, surrounding States and whatnot. So people started going home and like working from home. But my, yeah, cause my parents, they moved to Carlsbad, California, which is like San Diego County for people that aren't familiar. Um, so it's, you know, kind of hard to get there. But um, I remember like flights were just dipping so fast, I think, because of like the price of oil and just like, you know, demand was super down just because everyone was pretty scared. And I actually was like, oh, I got to like, you know, try and take advantage of this. And I saw there were yeah. like, one way flights to like L.A. and Vegas, like super cheap. So like uh, around what time is this? Like what month? I think this is probably April. Um, so okay. I was, I'm looking like in April, looking at flights and I'm like betting that like late May, June, things are going to clear up, you know, cause it, it really took a while for, for this to kind of, you know, set in. Um, so I, yeah, I booked a, a one-way flight to Vegas for like $40, um, thinking that like things would be clear by then and, um, Damn, 40 bucks. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I've got a buddy in Vegas and just thought we could uh do a little road trip and whatnot but um yeah 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 i mean i so i hopped on the flight of course everything in vegas was closed but then um we rode to la and then san diego and i worked from <laughs> home from my parents for a bit um but then kind of got tired of that and wanted to to take advantage of the work from home but uh yeah i've been staying on an east coast schedule like so still working east coast hours so waking up at like five thirty. Oof. like west coast you know i was curious because you're you've been in vietnam but still working of course for you know your company based in beijing yeah. how's that kind of like time difference been because i know you have a lot of american well it's it's, it's right? funny man yeah we're so most of my company's in america um yeah. and so i have to work either really early in the morning or really late at night and um there's actually one like work stream that I, I run within my company and there's four people on it. And I'm in Vietnam, another person's in Korea, which is two hours ahead of me. And then one person's on the East coast of the US and one person's on the West coast of the US. Oh my <laughs> there's, God. There's probably like a two hour window that we can all meet at the same time. It's, it's yeah. ridiculous. So yeah, yeah everybody's kind of dispersed with, with, with my, my company. So it's, it's a mess, honestly, but we, we figured it out. That's hilarious. I'm surprised that most people aren't like in China or like, I mean, of course people left China if they're international right. surprised. Like you guys really didn't have much like Chinese employees, I guess in the first place, but. Well, we, yeah, I, we're about 30% uh, Chinese nationals, but they, they all stayed, yeah, in China. And I also don't like work directly with them because they're like in a different department, but. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. But Our, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Are, are your coworkers like pretty surprised? Like the American ones, like they're like thinking you're pretty wild still being out there. Dude, or, yeah. yeah, yeah. They always they, they always make comments. Well, they they also comment that um, they're they're just jealous. But I honestly, I think I got lucky, right? I mean, it was a massive risk for me to stay outside yeah. the U.S. Um, and so, like, I, I am in a good position, but I also got very lucky. And so, I think yeah. like taking that initial risk is like not. 
I don't know. I don't. I don't, I don't know if it's advisable to other people. You know. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, definitely it takes a certain type of person to to gamble on that. But uh, yeah. yeah, man. In that first podcast, there was some line I think from Thomas when he he's like, "You're the last man standing abroad." <laughs> I, I think I laughed out loud when I was listening to that because I think you are yeah. for, like Americans, you know, abroad. Definitely seemed like everyone I knew would have or came home so yeah as far as i know too yeah love, love that love that we have some boots on the ground over there you know you know you're <laughs> eyes on the ground i can yeah. report back yeah exactly man <laughs> exactly but, is, but, but your, uh, oh yeah go ahead yeah i know i was just gonna say let's, let's get back to you and and, and your experiences oh because sure. um yeah i i want so so you're still working online right for the same company yep yep and and how long is that like extended for Right. Yeah. I mean, honestly, they've been pretty like in the dark in terms of when people are going to come back to the office. Like they've been saying they're going to have like our pilot project of going back to the office in our like HQ, which is in Virginia. But I don't think that's happened. And I've been like trying to ask my supervisor when like, you know, when I like just for planning when I should go back to Boston and there's not really much direction, but I've clearance here through September at the moment and just like a month to month. Um, and, you know, I'm not like the most type A person. So I'm like, I could probably get like a two week notice and, and you know, right. shuttle back. Yeah. But I mean, it's been, it's definitely been sweet, man. Just kind of, I, I know some people don't really like the work from home life. They need some structure and whatnot and, and like to see the people that they work with, which is like fair. I, I can definitely understand that. But like, the extra time I'm saving from like not commuting, dressing up and you know, that the whole shebang there has been like awesome. And I've definitely been trying to take advantage of it, you know, kind of relocating to the mountains up here and like been, you know, especially with the East coast schedule, I'm like done with work at, you know, 2 PM, 3 PM. And just like for me at the end of the day, like I I think what I've really started enjoying is just kind of like just crushing a hike or, you know, a little, mm. little mountain biking here and there and, and kind of like exploring this area. And it's just like having that much extra time. Like I can, I can do a decent hike, you know, on a weekday, which is awesome. And I'm still, you know, yeah. like getting paid the same and whatnot. And, uh, it's just, I feel like it's definitely, it's, it's been a great, uh, kind of like ex- experiment or experience. Well, it's, it's perfect, especially for you. And, and Mammoth sounds like a great place for you as well. Yeah, man, you definitely got to give it a shot. I don't know if you'd be here when I'm here now, um, but highly recommend it. It's super cool. And yeah, surprisingly pretty close to Yosemite. Um, I know that was really our, our bucket list. Oh, you're, yeah. you're kind of up far, far north a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize it kind of until I got here. Um, but yeah, it's like kind of close to Nevada um, in like central California. Like it's due east of like the Bay area. But it's actually like, yeah, super long to get there from the bay because mm. it's like you have to go through the mountains. So it's like faster to go from LA. I think it's like six hours if you go from the Bay Area, but like four and a half from LA. So it's kind of weird how that geography yeah. works. Yeah, yeah. Hey, wait. Uh, can can you remind me uh, just like what exactly you do for for your company before I get yeah. back into the mammoth? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I work in environmental consulting, um, and like my specific team is focused on renewable energy. Um, and you know, I have like a background in economics, so a lot of what I'll do is like solar project evaluation for towns and state governments. 
um, which has been like really cool. And it seems like a really, like a fast growing, um, industry. There's been, you know, no, uh, no pause in work from, uh, yeah, COVID and whatnot. Um, Mm. so yeah, it's been pretty sweet. Most of my work is focused in like the Northeast, like, so the hot solar markets are like Massachusetts, New Jersey, New York. Um, and then I do do some work for like electric vehicle planning, which is pretty cool too. So that's like also for like towns that are looking to switch over there, like, you know, town owned fleets to EVs or kind of like state governments as well that are just, I don't know, looking for any kind of consulting related to that. Uh, so it's like, yeah, broadly focused on sustainability related issues. Yeah, man. That's awesome, dude. And you're getting, you're getting environment from, from both sides between your job and being in mammoth, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're ingrained in it. Yeah. It's pretty funny. Like I think when I was onboarding, you know, there's a lot of people coming in, you know, it was, I guess it was a little over a year ago. I think we started in June and they're like going through each new employee and like what you submitted for your hobbies. And it was like, literally everyone was just like hiking, you know, going outside, doing this. So it was like a super, uh, it seems like there's some big correlation between if you're, you know, in the environmental sector and like, you know, your hobbies are pretty tied to that. So it's the people I work with are pretty cool too, you know, and like-minded individuals so it's been nice yeah of course yeah no that's awesome so what what hikes have you have you been getting into recently you sent me a few pictures yeah man um i mean off the top of my head we did so i think like the biggest one was that eight hour one so that was in the there's another little town near us called june lake um so that was like 20 miles round trip and a lot of elevation gain um, and yeah, I mean, another thing you got to consider wow. being here that we're already at like 8,000 feet on this mountain, you know? So like, wow, yeah, any, like, that's just like where the town is. So if you're going like up the mountain, um, you know, I think like Mammoth Mountain itself, I think is like around 11,000. So it's, it's been nice. Uh, definitely, you know, take some adjusting to 20 hours. Uh, how long is that? Or no, 20, 20, 20 miles. Yeah. 20, 20 miles. Yeah. (laughs) What is that? Like eight or nine hours? Yeah. Yeah. I think we did it in like eight, eight and a half. And like, it was funny. Everyone that we saw doing it was like overnighting it. And I mean, I've done hikes that long in a day before, like very often. You just got to start early. We, we did those. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Mount Wilson. Right. That was, yeah, that was a great one, man. I, I recommend if anyone's in LA listening. Yeah. Good one. It was, that, that was a good one. No, that too. was a really good one. Yeah, yeah. Cause I think we did it in like February or March. You know, yeah. and you forget there's like snow not too far from LA. So, yeah, man. Yeah. It's, it's it was crazy. A, yeah, yeah. Definitely a little harder going through the snow. Um, it got yeah. tough at one point. And there, there were a lot of yeah. streams as well that we were trying to hop through with all yeah, the, it's pretty the, fun. the rocks yeah. and water. It's fun. Yeah, yeah. I love that stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's what makes a good yeah, hike. Those are, the, those are the types of things that are, you know, they make a hike pretty fun. I, I really like uh, sort of like foresty mountains, you know, coming up, like growing up in New England. So mm-hmm. some of the hikes in LA, you know, are just a little too dry, desert for me. Yeah. So so Mammoth is like a really like heavy forested area, kind of similar to Yosemite. Um, so it's been, it's it's sweet sweet in terms of uh what i'm looking for but yeah i've been so i did that hiked mammoth mountain itself um and i've been trying to do mount whitney 
which is mm. the tallest mountain in the continental U.S. Whoa, Four, what is it at? It's 14,000 14 something? 14,500 feet. Damn. Um, so it's like not the tallest by a lot. Like, I think there's like 30 peaks in Colorado, which are 14,000. And this one like just barely edges them out for the for the top uh, top dog. So I've heard some yeah. people from Colorado are a little rattled about that. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah dude it's yeah it's it's a little you know it's california so it's, it's a little regulated though and it's uh very competitive to get a permit to do it so there's like a to lot of hike yeah to do the wow. hike there's a lottery that takes place in april you know for the entire season but uh-huh. um you know i was in boston at that point thinking i was you know maybe gonna come out for a california trip but didn't have that you know on the agenda and now, like, as trips get canceled, permits become available, but, like, you know, people will sometimes cancel their reservation, like, a day before. Yeah. So, I, I've I've been checking, like, every single day, and there's been a couple come available, but just, like, too short notice. And why okay. why are there permits for Mount Whitney, but not other mountains? Yeah, I think they're just really trying to, like, preserve the mountain, because um, I, I think it's a pretty sought-after trail you know since it's the tallest a lot of people want to want to say they've done it check it off the list and uh they're just trying to you know conserve the the environment and the wilderness there's from what i know because i'm pretty sure it the the lottery existed before covid i know that some mountains have had restrictions because of covid but this was pre-covid um my understanding yeah Mm. yeah you were saying you you went on a little roadie up in vietnam we're gonna i think do that that biggest mountain did that yeah that that come to fruition or still, no, still ended up yeah ended up not playing out it, the ah. the name of the mountain is fancy pan it's a funny name but um <laughs> yeah we we were on the road trip but basically like doing that hike would have added like probably six or seven days just in terms of like getting there by motorcycle really and, uh we just wow. decided we just decided to to cut it off because we were on the road for like a month and a half man and really? being on the road oh, wow. being, being on the That's road a is long tough. time yeah, yeah, yeah road is tough. Me, me and you know that from my road trip yeah, on the West yeah. Coast. I mean, that was exactly. I think like one month. And yeah. uh, month road and trips are hard, man. I feel like it's something that people don't really think about too much. Like, I mean, it's incredibly fun, but at the same time, incredibly draining. Yeah, just because. Yeah, it's a roller coaster ride. Yeah, yeah, everything. I mean, like the physical act of driving is yeah. tiring, and then yeah. not knowing where you're going to sleep, and then like not knowing where you're going to eat. It's just yeah. It's after a month or so, it gets it gets tough. Dude, yeah. I mean, I'm just imagining all those things you just mentioned. You know, back in our road trip, but then trying to do that in a foreign country when you don't speak the language on a on a oh, motorcycle no. in the steaming yeah. Sun too. yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> yes. Yes. So were you camping yeah. or were you staying in hostels or like Airbnb's we were, or? we were staying at homestays. So like each town, there's, oh. there's probably a few homestays where it's just like basically a sign outside a person's house saying, yeah, uh, we, we have a bed if you'd like. Um, so that's mostly where we were staying. And then if you get to the bigger towns, there, there could be a hostel, but not, okay. not too often. So the, those homestays, like do you just, you just drive through town, you see a sign, you like knock on the door and then you just try and like negotiate or like you just discuss if there's availabilities. Like you don't do anything online or like all no. them. It's just nah. not, yeah, nothing. That's awesome. N- nothing online. Yeah. I mean, there's, 
like when you get to the bigger cities, like there is stuff online, but not when you're kind of out there in the, in like the back country. I don't know if, yeah, called back. Yeah. But um, yeah, man. And so you just kind of show up. There's a few blogs online that are written about road tripping in Vietnam and they have some great information on like oh. where, where to stay and stuff like that and good photos and stuff. Nice. And so we were doing that. And then we also had a Vietnamese friend with us. So he would help us kind of negotiate and talk. Oh, that's huge. Price and everything. Yeah, massive. Yeah. Massive. Yeah, yeah. 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 Did you ever, like, you have any nights where you just, like, struck out with homestays and just had to, like, crash on a beach or something? Or how did that Um, Did we... I don't I don't think so. I think we were good. Yeah, I think we had a bed every every night. Um, yeah. Yeah. Did it yeah, feel, we, like, we pretty good. different? Like, yeah, road tripping during COVID, though? Like, I haven't... I haven't really known many people to road trip, like even domestically here, you know, or I well, guess there, few, so. there is definitely no other people road tripping, right? Yeah. Like when we would get to the homestead, I mean, we'd be the only, only people there. That's for sure. Um, yeah. but it's hard to say, I don't know how much, how many people there would be in high season just because I've never seen it, but we were definitely the only ones well, on the, on the route that we were doing. Yeah. Yeah. And were you guys like mostly kind of like exploring outdoor stuff or like, I assume things are like yeah. still closed there or no th- things were open when we were doing the road trip. Things have closed down again because there was another outbreak, but back in June during the road trip, things were, everything was open. So we were free, oh, to, sweet. free to go where we pleased. And um, yeah, man, there's, there's a bunch of caves in Vietnam. They actually have some of the, well, they have the biggest cave in the world. And then they have like oh, wow. all, all the other like second, third, fourth, all that stuff. Um, cause they have these, these limestone mountains. That's just like great kind of terrain. And so, yeah, I saw a lot of caves, did a bunch of hikes. Um, we went to, so fancy pan is part, it's kind of like the end, like the tail end of the Himalayan mountains. Oh, and wow. So we were, we were in those mountains. We weren't close to that, uh, fancy pan, but we were kind of, we were doing what's called the Hajang loop. Yeah. And so those those mountains, man, were unbelievable. Just for like seven straight days, riding up and down the mountains, yeah. and everything is just gorgeous. Yeah, so yeah, that was, that was unreal. Damn, yeah, I'm jealous, man. Yeah, I've yeah. still got uh my flight credit from the the canceled trip, so I'm uh I'm oh, just waiting. I'm just waiting until yeah, I man. get the green light, man. When things open back up, I'm out. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, I'll be I'll be here waiting for you. All right, sweet. Yeah, I actually I, I remember you mentioned to me and i kind of heard you talk to thomas about you but you're thinking about coming back to the states though at some point perhaps Con- considering it man yeah it, it, definitely. it's just an idea i really have no kind of yeah i, right. I, I, have, I have no certain uh decision made yet but yeah thinking yeah. about it they open to it yeah yeah right. i mean things right. things have changed so fast you know i don't know how fast things could like reverse or like you know kind of go back to normalcy but right yeah Play, we'll, we'll play it by air. I feel that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dude, I, uh, talking about, talking about our road trip and then thinking about the bear store reminds me of the, the mountain lion story. Oh my God, dude. Um, yeah. Yeah. Wait, actually, you know what? Let me first give like a brief, uh, background on like our road trip. So we graduated UCLA like in, in the, in March or so yeah. or we finished classes in March and then we decided to go on a road trip, taking your Volkswagen up and down the West coast, went down yeah. to Mexico first and then went all the way up to Oregon yeah. and came back down to LA and San Diego. So, and we were out there for about a month and, uh, 
Yeah, the story we're referring to is uh, it ha- occurred in Bend, Oregon. Um, but yeah, I, I actually want to let you take it away. Do you want to tell the story? <laughs> yeah, man, definitely. It was so. Yeah, I mean, we were up there like in April, um, and I don't remember exactly what we were hiking to. I think it was like a waterfall that we were supposed to be going towards, kind of like a little outside the city. And uh, it was April, so there's a, a, still a fair amount of snow on the ground. I remember yeah. a couple feet that we were hiking through. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think we might have been, like, talking about mountain lion just kind of, like, jokingly before. Or, like, I, don't, I, I can't exactly remember, but, like, I think well, we picked up some snowballs or something. What happened? Jokingly. The night before, we met uh, one of, like, uh, somebody in your family, and then they were kind of telling us that there was a mountain lion in the area. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. And, so the, the idea yeah, we, was – yeah fresh yeah yeah but yeah i mean i think it was like a fair hike like it was supposed to be like six or seven miles but like we were i don't know two miles in and we were having conversation and uh kind of like walking stride for stride and then i saw something on like in the snow that just didn't look natural at all and uh i think you like you hadn't noticed it and you were literally like about to step on it and i'm just like Dude, and you look down, and there's just like a giant deer leg, like right there, just one leg. I think like some of the meat had been taken <laughs> off of it, you know? Like, yeah, the bone yeah, was clean. Yeah, man, like I've never seen anything like that. We were deep. We were deep in there too, you know? Like, I mean, granted, it was like on the trail or like right next to the trail, but like, I don't know, man. It it definitely looked like, you know, a, a big, big animal was uh the culprit there so yeah we were deep and also hadn't seen another person on the yeah. trail the entire day we were the right, only people in that right. area because i feel like most people want to hike a snowy trail but we were just like ah oh, let's do it why not <laughs> you know, time yeah, to kill best, yeah and uh yeah man right. I, I mean at that point you know i mean at that point we're like 50 50 like it, it looked kind of fresh you know, like, no, like, you'd think someone might, like, move it or something. I don't know. But, like, at that point, like, we're going to an alleged waterfall. We don't know exactly how sick that's going to be. Suddenly, there's, like, a 200-pound killer that could be in our vicinity. We're not, like, loaded with, like, I don't even think we have, like, a pocket knife on us. You know, we're we're far out there. I mean, haven't <laughs> seen a single person. But I remember, dude, I remember feeling like so alive at that moment when, I mean, like <laughs> we turned around, you know, like there was no way we were risking that. Oh, yeah. But like still, like it could have been, you know, those things are, I, I've heard they're super elusive, especially with humans. Like people rarely see them. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, man, that, 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 like, I don't know how long it was, but like hour long walk back was like, felt like the, one of the longest yeah. hours I've had in my life, dude. Just, you know? Yeah, man. It was it was at yeah, least an hour. Yeah. At least it felt like a lot more, <laughs> you know. And yeah, I remember turning around, and I think we were there were like volcanoes. Yeah, rocks. there was. So we were like we were yeah. we were around some some volcano, and uh, I just remember I remember picking yeah. one up and just holding <laughs> it in my hand the entire walk back, just in yeah, case, yeah. and just like constantly constantly scanning the horizon. And then you you mentioned that they actually stay up in the trees. They, Is that am I remembering yeah, that correctly? Yeah, they do. They do. Yeah, I sleep in. Yeah, so I was scanning up and down and everything, and then another thing we were doing was 
trying to talk as loud yeah. as possible to each other just to scare yeah. them off. You're just like, give them a warning, you <laughs> and know, so, like, so we don't like frighten yeah. them. But yeah. And I just remember thinking like an hour and a half in of like talking really loudly. We were like struggling of what else to find to yeah. say. <laughs> and, but we had to keep talking. Yeah, yeah, dude. And, I, uh, I think I had my binoculars too. So I was like scanning the horizon. Yeah, I was like, you know, I had some, we could see far and we were, we were putting those bad boys to use. I was very glad that those were with me at least. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's funny because like I think that me and you were somewhat prepared compared to er, prepared compared <laughs> prepared in relation to like a normal or somebody that doesn't hike too much. Right. right? Like we're both early twenties, kind of like we I don't know have a good weight to us and stuff. Yeah. Um, have been on a lot of hikes, but at the same time, pretty much know nothing about mountain lions. Yeah. And, would would not fare well like at all like i felt just so incapable in that situation compared to what how i normally i know felt, dude you know I well mean? i mean those like they're literally i mean they're called i don't know their relation but they're literally called lions dude they're and i think they grew up like right, 200 right. pounds but like 200 pounds in a wild animal that's like a killer you know that yeah i, I don't i don't know how we would have fared dude but i, I mean you're right you're right well like, we if if Two people were to run into a mountain lion. Like, I think you and me, you know, like bare hands are as good a, a match as anyone they're going to get. So, yeah. Right. I do remember seeing, I think, like one of our other buddies had sent us, I think, like around that time, like a video, though, of like a guy, like getting attacked by a mountain yep. lion. You remember seeing that? Yep, I remember yeah, that. Like, I think he fought yeah. it off. But, um, dude. But he, he came out pretty, pretty, for sure. Up. I mean, we, that would have been a story and a half, but. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely counting my blessings. We got away there, dude. Do do you remember? Do you remember this part of it? So we we had the volcanic rocks in our hand, and I remember one of the conversations you were having the whole time was like, what we would do if the mountain lion actually found us and came at us, yeah. and 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 you were in the camp of thinking that you would throw the rocks <laughs> at him, and then I was in the camp of like I'm holding it, yeah. and letting him run to me so I could just kind of bash his head. Yeah, I do remember <laughs> that. I mean. For a while, do, do you still stand? Are you still on the side of throwing rocks at him? Oh, dude, I don't know. I mean, in that situation, I think uh, <laughs> I think I was gonna like hold the rock, and then if it charged, then would toss it. You know, it's not like I was gonna toss it at it, right? But uh, I mean, I don't like. Yeah, if exactly. You, I don't really like see us. myself using a rock. You know, because if it like charged us, we'd be like you know wrestling it on the ground. I don't see like a rock being that much more powerful than just like kind of like, you know, punching it at that point. I don't know. Yeah. So I, th I think I'm staying on the, I think I'm staying know, on the man. toss side. Hold my ground. Hold my ground. I, I feel like I could do <laughs> some damage. I, I could do some damage if I'm tussling yeah. on the ground with them, with, with like those sharp yeah, volcanic no, I mean, rocks. Uh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm not 100%, but I kind of like that. You know, if I tossed it, then you still yeah. had a weapon, you know, so kind of. We were hedging the back there, you know. You know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was about to say yeah. No one yeah. talks about mountain lion safety and like what you're supposed to do. Like I've heard a lot on bear safety, in in how you're supposed to react, but nothing on mountain lions. I think because they're so rare. But there are like, mm. there's some in L.A. dude, good, you know. So you'd think that. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. Yeah, I think there's a fair amount. They're just really like tough to find. They're they're so elusive and hidden, which is. Kind of like intriguing right, now that I right. think about it, you know, like no one, maybe there's just not as much information on them. I don't know. But 
Yeah, well, I, you know, back in China, a friend of mine um, studied, like she was getting her, I want to say PhD in, and I want to、oh, say mountain lions,、oh, wow. not something very like related to mountain lions. Yeah.、Um, it it might have been just like a, a, a very near cousin.、Um, and they were in a certain area in China, and she had been studying them for, I think, about, about like seven years or something. And she had never seen、yeah. them in the wild、yeah. for seven years. The whole time she's been studying them. So that just kind of shows, yeah, how, how elusive. Obviously, a very different species, but similar. So she was studying、idea. them in China. Super right? elusive. At like a Chinese university? Okay. Yeah, in China. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah I didn't yeah, even know、yeah. they had them out there. Yeah. Yeah, they do. I think I want to look up the exact name. It's, it's just a very close cousin, but、so、yeah. She's still never seen one. Damn. No, no, no. Seven、wow. years later. Crazy. Yeah. So surprising. I wonder how close、yeah. that actually was.、Um, you know, it, that could have been if there was one in Bend, but either way, yeah, I'm forever alert. Yeah. Either way. Yeah, definitely. Good、man. story. Definitely.、Yeah. So, dude, what else, what else about the road trip? I mean, I feel like that road trip, I definitely think about it a lot, and I, we have so many great stories from it. Do you have any other, like, any other takeaways? Oh, yeah. I mean, dude,、trip? hundreds, hundreds, man. Um, Yeah, whew, right, right. Where to begin? I mean, just starting off in Mexico was hilarious <laughs> just because, I mean, we're going down there thinking it's kind of like going to be a spring breaky vibe. And I don't know if we'd gone too far or what, but there was like no other tourists there. And our, our Spanish was pretty poor. I mean, I think I was the only one that had really taken it semi recently. And it was. Yeah, you were our translator yeah, for the Mexico dude, trip. That was so funny. And, um, Yeah, what a. I mean, remember. Well, I was, I was really surprised by how little English、yeah, they spoke、yeah. in Mexico, actually. I, I, I kind of assumed that they would have some English. Like, I almost feel like in Vietnam they speak a little more English. I know,、Mexico. yeah. I was, I was shocked by that. I was really too, surprised. Actually, now that we think about it. Because, yeah. yeah, I'd been to Cancun、yeah. before, you know, kind of on the east coast of Mexico, super touristy area. Yeah, but that's. Definitely better right, English spoken、right. there. So maybe we just kind of like found this pocket where. Not a lot of Americans go. I don't know. Because it sounds I mean, we'd heard recommendations、yeah. to go to Ensenada before. So I don't, I don't know what was up with that, but pretty funny, dude. We like,、mm-hmm. I, I can't remember if it was like the first or second day or what, but remember we we're like driving by that casino and, you know, no agenda for us. And we're just like, yeah, did we stop? Did we stop? Like, like let's, <laughs> let's, let's do it. Let's do it. You know, like when in Rome. Whatever. Yeah. Forgot yeah. about that. And we walk in there, and literally, again, everything's in Spanish. We have no idea what's going on. You know, just to like get a card with like preloaded money on it was a, a mission.、Um, and I think I had swung that. And then, like, we were like too intimidated to try and play cards, you know, because I mean, we don't even know what like card game they're playing and like how to, you know, kind of like notion. Yeah, no, yeah, no chance. Yeah. No chance. So we're playing cards in Mexico. I don't know how much money we had、yeah. on this thing, but like, just go immediately to the slots. <laughs> I, I do it once and I like don't know how to do it and I lose my money. And you're like, let me try, let me try. And you do it once. And dude, I don't know what, I don't even know if you knew what you were doing, man, but like, that thing just no, like, no. It, it shows you're winning. And then the, the, The dollars just kept going up and up and up and up and up. And up. And like, <laughs> you're looking at me, you're like, you know what this means? And I'm just like laughing. And, 
and our other buddies losing it. And uh, I think it went up to like a thousand or like two thousand. And we were like, yeah, it, was, out, it, right? it was all in pesos, yeah. and yeah. it was like a, a few thousand. And we're like, how much? Yeah. how rich are we? How much money do we yeah. just win? I don't think I don't. I, at least I didn't realize it was pesos at first. So I was like, my eyes were popping, mm. dude. <laughs> but uh, I think it was like a hundred or two hundred dollars in retro. Yeah, it ended up being around that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I mean that was you know which, Mexico, which was which plenty. paid for our entire Mexico yeah, trip. Yeah, yeah exactly. I think uh, I mean it paid for all of our food. Yeah, man. I think I think that was like kind of a turning point for the trip, you know, because that was just like a huge momentum boost, and we kind of great just, way to start. We kind of rode the rode the wave from then on. Um, so that was a pretty funny highlight. Um, hump, mm-hmm. do you remember? I mean, of course you remember stopping in Humboldt County. That was cool. I'd never really yeah. heard anything about that place. You know, it's in Humboldt. Humboldt's a great place. Yeah, just for reference or for people that aren't familiar, it's like I think the second most northern county in California or maybe even the most. Most people think, you know, San Francisco is – and it is referred to as NorCal or Northern California. But it's if you look at a map, it's really only halfway up the coast. So there's, you know, I think, I don't know, probably like – at least another six hours of driving to do to get to Oregon and Humboldt is just kind of like a little hidden, uh, you know, County. I think it's even referred to as the lost coast. Um, Mm. don't quote me on that, but, uh, super, super awesome area. Like really foresty long kind of big beaches. I think bet the water is pretty cold. I think I don't, we definitely didn't go Mm. in being, you know, it was April. Um, yeah pretty interesting place and remember we saw that like reggae band or i, I don't even know i was about to i was about to bring that up yeah music, but digging dirt i feel like it was uh like kind of like jazz. a mix of like soul yeah. and jazz and, and reggae yeah, yeah. and um that, like the opportunity or like you know that like concert was so cool because i mean first of all it was like an awesome type of music that's like not really common at least not that I've seen no, today. Not anymore. Yeah. No. And it was like, a, it was, I mean, they'd been established for, a, it seemed like a year or two and they're from Humboldt and had been touring yeah, around was, and we just happened yeah. to see them while they're in Humboldt with a bunch of locals. You know, it was just such a, like a, an awesome experience, you know? Yeah. The, the local Huge pride turnout. in that, in yeah. that concert was fantastic. And it was, it was sold out and yeah. we were almost not going to get tickets. Dude, and yes. we luckily did. Yes. I yeah. do remember that now. Yeah. That like, it's such a come up, you know, so like a bunch of things just went right at the, at the right time. And that was right. a sweet, sweet concert. I remember I saw them again in LA. I think you would, might've been in New York at that point. And it wasn't nearly as cool because, you know, there was no humble kids with me and yeah, it just wasn't the same. So that, that well, was another cool, uh, cool takeaway. That, that's what it always feels like on road trips, man. Everything kind of just comes together at the right time. Yeah. And it just always happens and there's no explanation for it. But, um, so that, that concert, and then we saw another reggae concert somewhere in Oregon. I oh yeah. Get which town it, it was. was. In, I think it was in Bend. Was it Ben? Yeah, because I remember it was Ben. Yeah, it was. We, we saw it on the calendar on like a Friday, and we're like, yeah. "This looks sick." Yeah, and then and it so was we like stayed a, an extra night. Yeah, at least uh, I think a couple of days extra. But I mean, yeah. we were we were vibing there, you know, in Ben. That was well, dude, man, it, when I think when I think about takeaways from from that road trip, yeah, digging digging dirt concert, which is the one in Humboldt, and then that concert in Bend, like those were those were some of the best concerts. Yeah, I've ever been to. I think like yeah. I I enjoyed those 
probably top 10 in my life. And, yeah, um, I agree. It really made me it really made me realize, like, I think I've said this to you before a few times, but yeah. I know, a few of the things like I know that I love in life is mm-hmm. one international travel, but then two, just like an amazing concert where everybody's yeah. vibing like that. You know, like there's literally, to me, there's literally no better feeling. You know? Yeah, man. Live music events, I think, are definitely some of the most fun I've had. You know, yeah. you get like a good group of people and, you know, you're just seeing certain, I don't think it's like all genres, but certain genres, you know, like that you see live are just so incredible, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that was and it's always the the crowd matters so much like you said like yeah. you saw digging dirt back in los angeles but it wasn't quite the same you know exactly and yeah there wasn't the, the same like kind of i don't know vibe i use vibe a lot it's not really not, yeah, the, same yeah, energy, yeah. not the same energy same vibe. yeah 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 vibe. people, people and, didn't appreciate it as much and and, uh, and it's yeah. almost like that's like the the best and almost worst thing about a concert it's like you never know when it's just gonna have that vibe but sometimes it just does and then it's yeah. just amazing, you know? Yeah. And it's interesting, too, to just to see, you know, because you can listen to people, you know, on Spotify and, like, really like an artist or maybe, you know, think an artist is okay. And then to actually see them live and, like, see how they engage with the crowd and, like, maybe right. tell some stories or something in between or, like, you know, like, their energy on stage. Right. It, like, totally changes how I perceive an artist. Like, I think, I think it's almost across the board. If I see someone live, I like them more typically because people are pretty good performers mm-hmm. um and there's always certain songs that like yeah you'll see them live and you're like oh like that you have that like connotation of seeing that song at the concert with the people that you liked and it's just like oh you know like i it it, it sticks so that that reminds me of slightly stupid down in san yeah, diego when we saw that too. because that was, I, that was wild <laughs> and their, their music is so chill and calm yeah and in person like half of it was but then half of it was so upbeat the way they played it yeah. and there, yeah. there were there were literally mosh pits at the slightly stupid concert and for that anybody that knows slightly stupid like you would not expect there to be mosh pits and so um but i loved it and it was like the perfect balance of like they would play and go back to the chill songs right. and yeah just goes to your example of like or to your point of how like when you see it live it could be completely different yeah yeah and just like for context it wasn't even like they have fast songs they were just like scaling up the slow right yeah yeah so that was like a total shocker it wasn't like we just hadn't heard certain songs so yeah that's like exhibit a and i'd actually seen them i think at least once before i saw them in in portland maine because that's where i'm pretty much from and um it was like a kind of a totally different element man where it was like a sit-down concert and Everyone yeah. was just hanging out and, you know, that was like the slightly stupid you'd expect to see. It was still really cool. I mean, they played some cover songs that I'd never really heard them play and whatnot. And it was like awesome to see them. One of my first concerts, I think I was like a sophomore or freshman in high school. Mm-hmm. So like even like having that, you know, kind of context, it, it, it shocked me even more seeing them, you know, in Southern California where like they're from. And, you know, they, they just touch that. Yeah. They, they, I feel like they were just like, they know their audience there and right. they know what they can do and they know what the people are looking for. And, yeah. It's uh, a huge, huge part of it when they're playing in their, I mean, in their local, like where they're from. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, man. Exactly. And, and you know, like what I was saying before, like how, how much I love concerts. It's interesting. It's like, it's not 
like you like i'm not a musician right so it's like mm-hmm. initially you think like okay like i'm not gonna like make a career out of that but i don't know i've come to realize that there's a million ways to get involved with just with music and production and other areas like just you know event coordination or marketing or uh, anything really that has to do yeah. with music and that oh, for sure that whole area and that whole path seems super super cool to me and it's something something i'm thinking about for sure dude yeah i think that industry would be so much fun to get into right i feel like the type of people that would be in that the type like of people exactly super interesting and the work itself i mean yeah i think that like you know the your clients and what you know what yeah i think it, yeah you're definitely super passionate about that and i think if you can you know work your way into that I've, that that's like when it doesn't really become work when you're like right you know, right, you're right working but like you're coordinating concerts for like i don't know like maybe the next slightly stupid it'd be yeah it'd be cool to like you know get in on some new up and coming band and kind of like you know ride their their growth ride their wave with them like maybe you know you could, i don't know what kind of perks are associated with those kind of well, dude, you, I remember even that girl you that remember, you started yeah. with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> the the one that worked at Live Nation. Let me. I'm gonna. I'm gonna explain that story really quick because that oh, was absolutely. that was one of the coolest. So I was I was um, getting like my motorcycle license. I was taking a training class down in Los yep. Angeles to get ready for for moving to Asia, and there was this older woman there. And in the motorcycle class where it was two, two days long and like eight or eight or like nine hours a day. So, and there's only about 10 people in the class. So we're getting to know each other pretty well and like become decent friends, you know, we're like doing something that's kind of risky and just like uh, emotionally stimulating, I guess, like riding a motorcycle for the first time. So we become good friends. And this, this one lady works for, for live nation. And she gives me a ride home one time just cause I didn't, I don't have a car. And, um, she she's explaining how or no, i started talking to her about music and how much i love it and then yeah i think you were like me, on the ox too right right i, I was know. i was on the ox. yeah it's like good old classic rock yeah and she uh she started asking me about it and then she basically says like hey i get an email pretty much every week saying there's extra free tickets and you can go to these concerts around los angeles and she was like, I'd never use them because I'm so busy with work and I'm also in school still. So I can just send them to you because it seems like you like to go to concerts and stuff like that. And yeah. I was like, yeah, sure. Like not really believing that she would be doing that. Yeah, yeah. And then, talk, yeah. Right. And then the next day, she just sends me a bunch of emails of all these free tickets. And yeah. she basically continued doing that for the next like four or five months. And we went to yeah. just a bunch of free concerts all around Los Angeles. Yeah. That was one of the biggest connections, if not the biggest yeah. connection to occur yeah. in college. One of the just the, the greatest things I've ever yeah. stumbled into, for sure. Yeah. It was it was amazing. Yeah, that was hilarious. And yeah, just context as well. I think is Live Nation, are they like a ticketing app or what do they do? I'm not entirely uh, sure. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So they they're the like event organizer. So I think they okay. I think they kind of reach they, they they have their hands in a lot of different aspects of it. Yeah. Um yeah, just kind of like the event organizer. Yeah, for sure. Dude, yeah, I remember I mean we've talked, you know, since you studied abroad in Thailand about like you know, kind of like the bar culture there and like how like Thai people don't really dance too much to live music or Yeah. Yeah, Asian people in general, yeah. 
Yeah. So is it the same in China? Like, have you, did you go to any concerts before, you know, kind of COVID hit out there, I'd assume? And how, good, how did good, that? Good question. Yeah. I mean, I think in China, it, they definitely are more reserved still in China compared to the yeah. US in terms of dancing, but maybe yeah. a little bit more outgoing than Thailand, to be honest. And one example oh. is I actually went to that Glass Animals concert back in Beijing. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Wait, did I mention this to you? I don't know, dude. I don't think I've heard about this. Really? Yeah. It was, uh, it was back in like November, I think I want to say. And, um, yeah, they were coming to Beijing, which is rare. No, no bands travel to Beijing. Really? Yeah. If bands come to Asia, they'll go to like Hong Kong and Japan and then like Australia and New Zealand. And the reason being is because there's just so many restrictions on China and, and going to Beijing. And so, Bands, no just de- bands just don't want to deal with like the customs and and all that stuff so they're all really that's, scared oh, away that's so surprising i mean beijing's yeah, a yeah. huge or just china's a huge market wow i know yeah yeah dude it's weird i feel like they almost just don't even care about that stuff you know they just are like no we don't want it in, in here but i mean so bands, like the bands are the bands don't care or china no china care. china china yeah um Damn. but yeah i mean i guess it's hard to pinpoint exactly why they true and yeah, restricted yeah. a little bit but like, so uh, glass animals there was a festival going on in hong kong but hong kong at the time was going through their riots which they obviously ooh, still, are still dealing with so that right. festival was canceled glass animals needed somewhere to go ended up in beijing um so i immediately i think the tickets were like 80 bucks or something which is ridiculous but i immediately got them um yeah so and, was it uh, like a last second thing like did they announce it was it was last it was like a week and a half in yeah. advance yeah and okay, what's okay. funny is the tickets ran out and I had one of my friends wanted to go, but she didn't have a ticket. And I was like, just, just come with me. I'll find a way to get you in, which is like yeah. another thing that me and, <laughs> me and you pull off constantly. I mean, there's a million yeah. different ways to do it. And she's like, how are we going to do it? How are we going to do it? I was like, I don't know. We're just going to get there. I'm going to feel out yeah. the situation and we'll figure it out. And um, what we ended up doing that time was they, uh, they would stamp your hand after you showed your ticket. And yeah. if you if you keep the stamp wet and immediately press the back of your hand on somebody else's hand, it'll kind of rub off and get onto their hand. And Damn. that 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 that's what I did Good with to know. her. Yeah. yeah. That that that's what I did with her. And so like when they like just walking up to the door and they look at your hand, it looks like we both have the stamp. Uh, and so we got in for free. Um, Let's go. But there's always ways. There's always ways to get people in, man. Like, do you remember the? I, I like uh, the um oh uh, what it was a it was a concert in los angeles um and it was during the summer uh there's a bunch of us that went oh man oh dude i can't i mean i don't know i mean we went to like i i i I ended up getting all of us into like the the downstairs area by paying off the security guard Oh. we we saw a few of our other friends upstairs and there was like six of them and then i paid off the guy again and we all got in <laughs> there's probably like 12 of us in total um, yeah i don't know if i was there for that i, that, I feel really? like i would remember yeah i don't know i don't know yeah you, shit maybe you weren't you might have been in alaska at the time yeah yeah if it was the summer yeah true yeah yeah but we definitely but so, we, we pulled we pulled some stuff though we definitely pulled some right. stuff yeah. And, yeah. but so that's always a great strategy too. I mean, cause if you think about like security guards at a concert, I mean, they're making like 12 bucks an hour just hand them a 20 and they'll let you go anywhere. It's like, yeah. If, yeah. if you want to go cool. to the VIP section, just, yeah, exactly. Just be like, yeah, dude, I'll just hand you a 20 and yeah. they, they're uh, not going to kick you out either. You yeah. Know, people, people respond to money. Um, but anyway, yeah. back to glass animals. Um, 
yeah, man, I kind of expected it to be pretty low key and like just to right. be dancing with the, the friends that I went with. But the vibe was actually great, man. And I, I don't know where it came from. That was the only time in China that I've seen the vibe be be so much fun. And I think it was definitely partly Glass Animals. I think they were amazing yeah. live. I, yep. I really like Glass Animals and they got, yeah, just a great energy about them in general. So I think that helped a lot. Uh, and then again, I went with a good group. Um, so, but yeah, long story short, that, that was the one concert in Asia that I felt the, the energy was, was on point. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Glass animals is sweet. Do you think, were there a lot of expats there too? Do you think that could have been a big factor or like, uh, nah, maybe? maybe like 10 or 15% of, of people yeah. were expats. Okay. Yeah. So not, not like significant really. No, no. Huh. Did you see him in Coachella? I remember like sophomore year, I think I'm pretty sure they played. I did, yeah. Well, I I saw like two songs and then a friend I was with ended up like not feeling well and had to to go out. And I was bummed because I remember at Coachella, that was the first time I saw them live. And I think at festivals, you always are kind of like, you're always walking around and sometimes you don't exactly know where you want to go next. And you hear like a good a good bass and a good sound off in the distance. And you kind of start, you start <laughs> gravitating towards yeah, it without even yeah. realizing. And that's what glass animals was at that point. I didn't even realize where I was going, but I was like, damn, yeah. this is good. I need more of this. Dude, and, yeah, uh, wait, did, did you know about them before? I had never heard of them actually before then. I, I, yeah, I knew about them and I liked okay. them, but wasn't like super, super into them. Um, yeah. Yeah. They were, I mean, they were pretty good live. I mean, yeah, one great. of the guys had like a broken foot or something. So he was kind of making jokes about that, I remember, <laughs> on stage. But I'd never heard of them. So I was like, whoa. I, was, I think I was just following one of our buddies that's pretty big into the music scene and just kind of like trusted him. And I was like, mm. these guys are sick. And I remember just like opening up Spotify and liking a bunch of their songs. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Sweet that you got to see him again. I'm definitely jealous. Lucky, yeah. They're definitely one of those bands that are great live. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking about, you know, I mean, yeah, like live music relative to COVID, man, I'm a little surprised that there hasn't been like a lot of like, you know, new music coming out of it. Cause this is such a unique time mm. where like literally no one's on tour. So they've, and I don't know, like, you know, probably similar to us, they didn't know how long it was going to be. And I know, you know, writing music, definitely the time it takes varies by person and, you know, time of their life and whatnot. But I'm, yeah. I mean, at least for people that I follow, I feel like there hasn't been much new music come out. I know, like I know, like Taylor Swift, I think just dropped an album or something. But <laughs> like, <laughs> they're not really like my top Spotify artist, you know. So I don't know if maybe I'm missing out, and like you've noticed anything, but just wanted to to bring that up. Yeah, no, I mean it's a good point. I definitely haven't noticed a lot of music coming out. I wonder if like people are just taking this time and like since they have so much time to kind of go over and perfect it all. Maybe yeah, plays plays a role in it. It's like they just really want to sink into the time that they have. Yeah, I'm Real. not sure. Or I like they, people, mm-hmm. yeah, like maybe they're being like COVID cautious and not gathering. I wouldn't think that would be a big factor in the music industry. Or like maybe they don't have access uh, to equipment. You, you know something. what? Well, maybe it could be that. I feel like when a band drops drops an album, they definitely go on tour. You know, and that's definitely where oh. most of their money is coming from. And so yeah. if they can't go on tour, they're probably decentivized to release an album at the moment. Yeah, that's interesting. And maybe yeah. they're just all like saving them up. Right, or, just holding that'd back That would be on so it. sick, dude. If like <laughs> everything opening back up, we beat COVID, and then yeah. like every band you know is dropping an album and like back on the road. Oh yeah, my yeah. God. 
Wow, dude. Yeah. Love that. I love that idea. Yeah, I hope I hope that's true. Yeah, man. On on this music uh, you know, topic, I recently just saw this documentary on Laurel Canyon. It's this neighborhood in LA. It's like not too far from UCLA. I don't know. Have you heard about that that area before? No, no, I haven't heard of it. So it was like this neighborhood that back in like the early 60s, it was like pretty cheap, but it's like up in the, or I guess it's a canyon, kind of like a little northwest of Hollywood. And it was cheap. So a lot of like young, you know, younger people that wanted to come to LA ended up there. And um, it was just like this, it turned into this like super artistic area where like a lot of bands were living in, kind of like collaborating and whatnot i definitely think it's totally up your alley it's like buffalo springfield he sings that Ooh. vietnam song um the eagles um like crosby stills and nash were all like all living in this like one neighborhood and it's just a super cool story to to hear about like you know it's the stories behind certain songs and whatnot and you know like the 60s had such wild you know things going on so it's the, the context of everything yeah helps me appreciate like that kind of music and i've been listening to a lot of you know songs that came out of that that uh documentary um so yeah Damn. what what's the name of that documentary it's uh, literally just called laurel canyon oh it's the name okay yeah there there was a movie that came out i think it was directed by Ooh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say like Bob Dylan's son. It's called Echo in the Canyon as well. I haven't seen that, um, but I think it's, it's a similar concept. I I think I've seen parts of that documentary. Yeah. I, I think my dad was watching it one night, and I got to catch half of it. But uh, For sure. I heard honestly, yeah, I heard that movie wasn't as good as this documentary. But I've only seen it. Wasn't it wasn't super great? Yeah, yeah, that's a bummer. But that's good to know, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch that podcast or that documentary tonight. Yeah, it's no, no a joke, two part yeah. thing. It's like three or four hours, just a heads up. <laughs> but um, sure. yeah, cool. it was awesome, man. So definitely, uh, definitely add that to the to do list. Yeah, man. I was, yeah, I was curious, man. Is there any like, do you listen to like any like Southeast Asian music at all? Like, has that had a, 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 a <laughs> no, effect no. on you? No, nothing. No, no not at all, man. <laughs> not at all, actually. That's yeah, cool. I mean it's all super traditional music, and then like no way. stuff wow. that's similar to K-pop. Um, okay, and then, yeah, it's no, nah, yeah, don't listen to any of it. There, I feel like you know certain things once you hear them enough, kind of grow on you. But like traditional music, yeah, that's a whole other. You know, m- music is a funny one because I, I mean they still play their own music here, but it's definitely half and half. Like people, yeah. I think music in particular, like in terms of American influence, music from America and just the West in general, like Europe as well, I think is everywhere. And it's, yeah. it always amazes me how much you hear that music instead of the local music, uh, just wherever you are, coffee shops, like being, being at bars, like and in taxis, like anywhere. Huh. Um, it, it's, it's nice. It's, it's comforting, but also yeah. a, a little bit peculiar. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it definitely shows, I guess how, you know, kind of like global, or, you know, globalization is really here. And, uh, yeah, def- yeah. yeah. I'm getting a little well, tired, man. I don't know. I'm I, <laughs> talking about a few more things, but, uh, no, I was just about to say, I was just about to say we could, we could wrap up. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. 
I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to mention, but no, nah, dude, I think that was mostly it. Um, yeah, we spoke for a while. Yeah. Huh? Thanks for having me on, man. It was really fun catching up and yeah, I think, uh, hopefully a couple people listen to this and I guess yeah, when anyone, anyone in California wants to visit me, hit me up. I'm around and hopefully we'll be in touch soon, dude. If you're coming back to the States or if uh, Asia opens back up, I'll see you out there. <laughs> of course, brother. Yeah, yeah. We'll definitely be in touch. I'll keep you updated with what's going on. And if I do come back to the States, um, California is is where I'm going. Yeah. So I'll, yeah. I'll definitely see you there. Good. Good, man. Yeah, it's been too long. Definitely. Yeah, really. It has. Yeah. All right, dude. I'll let you go All then. Right. Yeah, dude. Get, get some sleep. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, will do. Will do. All right. All right, Talk brother. to you later. Bye. Yeah. Not a damn, damn thing at all And every time I felt the hurt And I felt the giving Getting me up off the wall I'm just gonna take a minute And let it ride I'm just gonna take a minute And let it breeze I'm just gonna take a minute And let it ride I'm just gonna take a minute And let it